leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 17th of May. Apparently, the rain comes in tomorrow morning about 6 o'clock. Typical, isn't it? Typical, typical. Actually, that's all right, because I've just realised I'm going to be here at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, so it can do what it likes outside. Uh, the DJ act for, acts for sexism, but not actually on the air. This was off air, and um, he's had a bit of... He used to be big on television, and now he's big nowhere at all. His career kind of disappeared. Uh, the cruel dog breeder farms exposed by television, there's so many of them. I mean, one of them had 300 registered breeding bitches. Dreadful, isn't it? Biggest mistake of the decade is bringing back the carry-on films, two of them. You can't improve on them, you can't find people who can replace the original members of the cast. We don't need it, so it'll be a bunch of old has-beens. So, as far as I'm concerned, avoid like the plague. Oh, and the cruise ship that makes the Titanic look like a minnow. And we know how big the Titanic was, but when you see the size of some of these ships now, they're just mega. Absolutely mega. Uh, Ex-bankrupt Bovvy's new firm, £7,000 in the red. This is Grant Bovvy. You remember him, don't you? He was married to Anthea Turner. It was all a bit of a disaster from start to finish, I think. Uh, Tom Hanks says he was an idiot over his diet because he's diabetic. Uh, Two MPs' marriages in tatters after they both had affairs with the same blonde writer. Oh, dear me. Oh, well, there you go. Prince Harry, another photo opportunity, with a pair of boxing gloves on. Not exactly difficult work, is it, for a 32-year-old? Princess Beatrice, oh, how to break all the rules in the royal family. I mean, perhaps she's not of royal blood at all. Perhaps she's just a silly little attention seeker. Sitting behind Granny at the horsey thing, taking selfies. And you know what the Queen thinks about that. So that'll be a little smack on the wrist again. They really are a ghastly couple. They really are. Uh, the man with the most amazing arm in Britain. It can even charge his telephone. And Cheryl's ex is back on the market. Not that we ever thought he was off the market. I mean, he turned out to be a bit of a drip, didn't he, all the way around. This time he's hanging around with Pamela Anderson. So I suppose roughly the same as old Cheryl Fernandez. Uh, Formula One, Bernie's art dealer son has flop firm. That's quite an interesting one. I quite like that. And Katie Price gobs off again. I think she's forgotten that Loose Women is about everybody on the programme. Not just her. But there again, you know, nobody's life is as dull as Katie Price's. And the coy P. Yobs in beating. You try and explain that one to people. This is a man who, who collects koi carp. They're very rare uh, and they're very, very expensive. And they grow to huge sizes. They go to enor- enormous amounts of money, some of them. I've been to a, a koi uh, park where you can buy these things. And they, they go, some of them, thousands and thousands. Anyway, he caught two yobs urinating in his pool. So he beat them. And, of course, he found himself in court and he was found guilty of an assault. So, apparently, nowadays, you can just about get away with anything, can't you, if you go there and urinate in somebody's koi park pond. Uh, which airport is most likely to lose your luggage? Um, I've never lost anything at an airport. I've, I've seriously never lost anything. I didn't... Mind you, I don't fly that often. And, and I always think to myself, if you take sort of a little amount of luggage, then you should be fairly OK. But uh, I'll give you the rundown of which ones are the worst. Which ones are the worst? Who are the mega bucks presenters on the BBC? They keep saying these people aren't well-known, but they're all well-known. They're all well-known. In fact, one of them I used to work with. Uh, one's a friend of mine. And I think, what is this obsession with trying to find out what presenters earn? I've got no idea. I mean, perhaps we should have it printed on the front page of The Sun or The Mirror or any of the other papers who express an interest in this on how much their columnists earn. How much is Richard Littlejohn earning? How much uh, do the, the, um, the, 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 the TV critics get paid for doing their columns? I think you'd be surprised. I think you'd be really surprised. It would not be uncolumn, uh, uncolumn column. I wouldn't have thought for Julie Birchall to pick up 300,000 a year. Quite easily. Quite easily. These people earn a lot of money. And we know Boris Johnson was on a quarter of a million. 
And that was for something that probably most of you never even read. So you can imagine if you're a really top columnist. I mean, looking through the, uh, the sun this morning, Ali Ross, what would he be on? Well, he's not going to be on 75 grand a year for writing a TV page, is he? He's going to be on, I would think, 225? I'm thinking that because he isn't, he isn't big enough to warrant mega, mega money, but he's good enough to earn a couple of hundred thousand pounds. Uh, who else do we have in the, in the paper? I mean, I should imagine Richard Littlejohn would, would be on at least £300,000. He's been doing it for donkey's years. But they, they, they talk about 41 megabucks beeb uh, stars. And they've got somebody here called Kamal Ahmed. Any idea? No, unfortunately, I didn't know him either. He's the economics editor. Uh, the World at One host is Martha Carney. She used to work at LBC with her uh, other half, Chris Shaw. And I've known them since they were children. Children. And... Why are they sort of interested in who these people are? So what they've done, the big earners. OK, here we go. John Simpson. You know who John Simpson is? World Affairs editor. Sophie Rayworth, news presenter. Martha Carney. Uh, Will Gompertz. This is the one we talked about yesterday. This is the, the, the arts manager who looks slightly freaky. And they reckon that he's, sort of, he's a big earner. He's a big earner. They reckon Richard Littlejohn at least 200,000. Yes, I would think at least... £200,000 a year. I mean, it's about, you know, £2,000 per article. That's about right. I would think that would be right. I know it seems an awful lot of money to most of you. Graham Norton, uh, Eddie Mayer, Sarah Smith, Scotland editor, uh, John Soper, North American editor, Jane Hill, news presenter. What, just reading autocue? That's apparently mega money now. Chris Evans, Gary Lineker, David Dimbleby, Hugh Edwards, Fiona Bruce, Steve Wright, Jeremy Vine, Andrew Marr, Quite a few of them, isn't there, really? Uh, Michelle Hussain, John Humphreys, Justin Webb, Sarah Montague, Jim Naughty, Alan Yentob, Evan Davis, Emily Makeless, Kirsty Walk. It's all the news people, have you noticed? Nicky Campbell, Clive Myrie. Good God. I used to work with Clive Myrie. Uh, Gavin Esler, George Aligaya, Simon Mayo, uh, Ken Bruce, Toss Daly and Claudia Winkleman. They reckon she's picking up over a quarter of a million pounds a year, Winkleman. In fact, they reckon about £350,000 a year. But then if that's what they, they can get, why not? Why not? Why does it make a difference? We're going to turn into a nation of very jealous people, of people who are so jealous of what everybody else earns that it's, it's going to turn into some dreadful bloodbath, isn't it? People going out there going, oh, you earn that much money. And people saying, yes, that's what the money was on offer. You know, it's that's that's how it works. I mean, Claudia still does film 2016 as well as Strictly. So you probably find it's an all-in-one package. But, I mean, I have heard of people. They are making cutbacks at the BBC. Not not many cutbacks. But they are making cutbacks where they sort of say to somebody, if you make a show for us, well, we'll, we'll pay you the same money as last year, but you've got to make two series. I've heard of that before. In fact, I know that for a fact. So that's the way it works. But then, you know, if they choose to pay people like Martha Carney or Eddie Mayer, you know, in excess of £300,000, that's their business. I don't quite understand where it comes in. You know, I'd, I'd like to go round the BBC and then, and then turn to somebody and say, you, how much do you earn? What do you do? Runner, how much? OK, right. And, then, and that's what I'd like to do. But the other half of me is going, I'm not interested. Couldn't care less. Um, I used to watch on the television, you probably watched him as well, Justin Lee Collins. Justin Lee Collins used to appear with... Who did he appear with? He's, he, he was constantly on the television. He was sort of, you know, wild and lots of hair and everything else. Was he with Alan Carr? I don't know why. For some reason, I've got Alan Carr and Justin Lee Collins together. But um, 
It, it was, it was. I thought it was, actually. He made shows for Bravo. He did uh, the Sunday Night Project uh, for three years. Uh, hosted loads of things. He did the convention Crasher. He learned skills like clowning and everything else. Uh, in 2007, he became the latest celebrity friend of Paul O'Grady. Uh, to fill on the new Paul O'Grady show when O'Grady took a break. He's been on Top Gear with Alan Carr. He's been on loads of things. In 2010, he signed a £3 million deal with ITV uh, for a show which focused on topical issues. It was the Justin Lee Collins show, which ran from uh, March to May 2009. Then he did Oops TV. He did loads of stuff. He's been on Chris Moyles's. Oh, go back, go back, go back. He's been on Chris Moyles' show. Wait a minute, where have I seen it there? And there was something else. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm coming. Uh, now it's that Collins had signed a deal with Channel 5. And therefore, he wouldn't be making another series of the Justin Lee Collins show. Uh, then in June 2000... Anyway, so he goes on. Then he had a bit of a problem. Uh, and the problem was he treated his girlfriend very badly. And so that was exposed. And his entire career collapsed overnight. Went. Disappeared. Disappeared. So the former Friday Night Project telehost was thrown a lifeline by an internet radio giant. Well, I say giant. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how many people are listening to this thing. It's always an interest to me. Uh, he, he didn't appeal against his conviction. It was an alleged harassment. Subsequently tried, convicted of harassment, uh, of causing fear of violence by a 10 to 1 majority verdict, sentenced to 140 hours community service and £3,500 prosecution costs. Anyway, he described his personal life as good in 2014 in a new relationship, and he now hosts a bi-weekly radio show on this internet radio station. Not anymore. They've just fired him. So he's out again into the cold. And apparently this was for comments made off air to female staff. Sexist comments. I don't know what would constitute a sexist comment. I mean, I'm, I've got a rough idea in my mind, but I'm not sure whether or not... Would that be enough to sort of warrant you being fired from somewhere? It was done off air. I mean, you'd have thought, actually, that he, he, he would have clung on to that job for dear life. It's, it's, it was his lifeline. I don't know what it paid him. I've got no idea. I was just saying, I'm not interested in things like that. I mean, who's going to touch him now? Who's going to touch him? You would th- I mean, perhaps these people... I mean, I don't know. I'm speaking out of the box, probably out of turn. I mean, do you think he drinks? Do you think he eats wine gums by the barrel load? I mean, do you, what, what do you think it can possibly be? So, he's been done for harassment of an ex-girlfriend and fined three and a half thousand quid, gets a job on a radio station, somebody's thrown him the lifeline, and then blow me down, he throws it back in their face by being sexist to, uh, to girls off air. And so he's, he's out. They fired him. I just, you can't understand, can you? Perhaps he's stupid. Perhaps he's simple. Perhaps he doesn't understand how it works. Perhaps he said to her, hello, darling, it's a nice pair of bazookas you got there. Isn't it? I mean, that would be the sort of talk that would get you fired, I would think. Never likely to hear that from me, I have to tell you. Uh, it is a rise and fall story, or in his case, it's a fall and fall, because he's fallen twice now, hoisted by his own petard, and, and he's had the opportunity. But he was big on television. He was big on television. And then all of a sudden you throw it away. I don't understand. It's like, you know, I was reading a, an interview and I picked up a magazine at the station the other day. It's generally a precursor to toilet paper, but I picked it up anyway. And, and I was going through it and I had a lovely interview with Lydia Dim. Uh, Lydia Dim, sort of like that. Got, you know, clothes, like model and uh, stuff. And uh, she was talking about Arge and how it's finished now because apparently he's wandered back to his, his old ways. His old ways were when he was suspended from TOWIE because he tested positive for a banned substance and they decided they didn't really want somebody like that on the programme. I mean, he is as thick as a brick because he goes and does it again. And she finds that, it's like, not happy. They, they split up, can you believe this, about six times. 
Six times they've split up, got back together. Split up, got back together. Either she's a sucker uh, for, for that sort of person, because sometimes women are attracted to bad boys, or he's so stupid that she feels a bit sorry for him. So you've got two stupids in the same basket. You know, she's not exactly the brightest penny in the box. But anyway, she's, a, she's very caught up about it. It's not really about anything. It's six times, dear. There's a limit to how many times you can cry wolf. You should have learnt the first time. I'm sorry. You know, it's a case of somebody does that to you the first time. You cut off those little dangly spherical objects and you never see them ever again. OK, end of story. Do not keep going back. It makes you look desperate. Desperate and sad. I'm also predicting the end in sight for Katie Price's latest marriage to little Kieran. Kieran, who features in a porno film and also cheated with two of her best friends. Now, the only reason I see the end in sight is because she's trawled down that route again. And the route is she tries to humiliate them. She does it with every single one of the people she's ever been out with. So this time round, she's having a little party to celebrate her 100th birthday, and in which hopefully she'll turn to dust and vanish completely. And she keeps dropping the name of Peter Andre. Now, this, of course, is winding Kieran up. So Kieran has now put his foot down and gone, he's not coming. It's as simple as that. With or without his bug-eyed wife, he's not bringing her. It's as simple as that. You know, Ems can stay at home and knit fog as far as he's concerned. And he's put his foot down. Now, this she will not like. So she started the slow chipping away, which eventually somebody turns around and goes, Oi, ugly woman. No more. Had enough of you. That's why you can't keep a relationship going. You do it, you pretend. We do the pretend wedding dresses. Apparently, the other day, she was seen sucking a piece of watermelon, OK? A piece of watermelon. And this, apparently, according to the experts, was her indication of the ring that Peter bought her for their wedding. And she missed him. I mean, that just looked like somebody sucking a piece of watermelon. I didn't quite see the correlation between that and a ring or anything else. I mean, the next time I start sucking a bit of watermelon, perhaps that means uh, I'll be interested in Peter Andre's ring as well. So, there's, you know, it's just one of those things that you read the warning signs. The warning signs with Katie Price are she generally talks about, oh, I'd like to put a wedding dress on again. Oh, God, here we go. The poor girl who is so deluded... So deluded, she seriously believes she writes and she designs and she does everything. She doesn't do anything at all. She doesn't do anything. I would seriously like to see Companies House books on Katie Price because the newspapers for ages have, have sort of gone on about 35 to 40 million pounds. Not a cat in hell's chance. So far away from that. Didn't even feature in the Sunday Times Rich List anywhere. Anywhere at all. And that went down, some of them, to 10 million. So she must be way down the list. But Kieran, she's after you. She's after the blood. She's going to push you so far, as you know, as you know, that eventually you're going to crack and go, I don't want to be with her anymore. Exactly the same as all the other ones. Nobody else wants to be with her. Peter Andre had to, because he's getting on a bit now, isn't he? 47, 48, difficult to tell. And uh, not the tallest person. And the best gigs he can get now is people taking the mickey out of him on that London Palladium show uh, or advertising a yoghurt. You know, but he doesn't, but he's sort of, he's the aftermath of it. And that's the best gig they can get him. They can't get him anything else. What do you put Peter Andre on? The joke's gone too far. Although we have got a new reality show. And the new reality show is cooking. Because we haven't got enough cooking shows, have we? And they found the biggest bunch of non-entity celebrities that they've ever assembled in one room. And I'll run through who they are very shortly. Steve Allen on LBC. Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from 7 only on LBC with Hampton by Hilton from a great night's sleep to the perfect breakfast included
Nick at the team with you this morning. A cross-party alliance of MPs who wanted to impeach Tony Blair in the wake of the Iraq war is being reassembled for a fresh attempt after the Chilcot report is published in July, should the former Prime Minister be prosecuted. London Underground has blamed rush hour delays on excess sunlight. Are they justified in doing so? Are they just feeling the heat from commuters? I just assumed we were all packaged in together. You know, they just sort of shut... I won't get on a train if it's packed. I'm, I'm re- I'd rather wait for the next one. And London Health Chiefs are looking to transform the way we see our doctor. But would you want your next GP appointments to be via the computer? Yeah, absolutely. When I go to my doctors now, I check in on the computer and by, the, uh, by the door. You just put in your date of birth, your initial, and, uh, and you've then re- you're, you're then in for the appointment. London Evening Standard City Hall editor Pippa Crera is with Nick to take a look at the papers. He's with you at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. This is Steve Allen's early breakfast. I am Steve Allen. I make no more apologies. If you've never heard the programme before, well, more fool you. And if you have heard it before, nice to be part of the spike. Uh, So there's another cooking programme coming up. And um, this is uh, Celebrity MasterChef. Although, to be brutally honest with you, you've really got to struggle to find celebrities here. I mean, less than a year ago, Donna Eyre would have been schmoozing with royalty rather than the dregs of the show business world. But here she is. She's had to turn up on this programme. I mean, I don't know what we're going to make of her at all. Some of the other people, uh, Sunita, Sid Owen, Simon Webb from Blue, and then the uh, the show hosts, John Tarot, who's fabulous, and Greg Wallace, who's just a bit of an irritating little so-and-so. And the other people who are in it, Tina Malone, Tommy Cannon, Richard Coles... Okay, now so far I know them. Neil Back, who's Neil Back? Never heard of Neil Back. Marcus Butler, no idea. Louise Minchin, oh, it's not another bloody BBC news person, is it? From Breakfast. Oh God, honestly, how desperate must you be, Louise? Cherry Healy, who? Who's Cherry Healy? God's truth. Uh, Gleb Savchenko. I'm so sure I'm reading the right list here. Liz Johnson. Layla Morse, I know of. Uh, Jimmy Osmond. He has been on quite a few of these shows by now. Uh, Alexis Conran. Wait for this one. This is, this is going to be the intellectual side of it. Amy Childs. What? In bowl? Put eggs bowl? Oh, bowl. bowl. Just see it, can't you? David Harper. No idea. Amel Bereba. I think she might have been in a group. I think she might... I know. And Audley Harrison. I think he's a boxer, so I'll be nice to him. Oh, good old Audley. But, I mean, Amy Childs and poor old Donna Eyre. <gasps> she used to be Donna Airhead. That's what she was nicknamed in the business because she wasn't the brightest penny in the box. That's right. That Donna Train. Donna Train. <laughs> she was, I mean, to be honest with you, she's, she's sort of mixed with just about everybody. I think she used to go out with somebody fairly famous, but she, she did famously appear on television, and then the press nicknamed her Donna Airhead because there wasn't much going on between the ears. Mind you, we had exactly the same, didn't we, with Amy Childs. There's not a lot going between the ears there, as you will be discovering. And so, what have we got? She was, that's right, Damien Aspinall. She's got, a, she's got a daughter, actually, called Freya. And she's been in a relationship with James Middleton, who's the brother of the Duchess of Cambridge. But she's still got to do a reality show. Embarrassing, honestly. And uh, another one here. This is... uh, She supports Macmillan Cancer, Race for Life, Sport Relief and Jeans for Jeans. And and then she was acquitted of a charge in 2012 of obtaining a parking permit by false representation. 
I love the people who are put in court over false representation on a parking permit, for God's sake. Have they got better things to do nowadays? It's the disabled permits, which, you know, are my, my big bugbear. Uh, so we're, we're none the wiser with a lot of these people, I'm afraid. It's, just, it's a bit embarrassing for poor Dan Wooten, not the butchest bizarre TV person in the entire world, a man who quite clearly loves himself to death, but he's just literally printed the BBC's uh, uh, press release here. And so by the time you put all, all the pictures in there, but even looking at the... Pi- oh, wait a minute, I've just found out who one of them is. David Harper is that silly little show-off antiques bloke, the bald-headed one who goes round wearing bright-coloured trousers. What a blooming irritant he turns out to be. Sid Owen. God, whatever happened to Sid Owen? Where did you go to, love? Your career finished, didn't it? Isn't he running a restaurant in France? There's, there's somebody called the Liz. I don't know who she is. Liz, Liz Conran. Not a clue. Uh, Layla Morse, we know. Jimmy Osmond, we know. Uh, Cherry somebody. Cherry Healy. I'm sorry, dear. It's ever so sweet of you to make a contribution and pop up on a programme, but we don't know who you are. Uh, Richard. Oh, Richard Coles. Uh, I think I know who Richard Coles is. The Reverend Richard Coles. Cherry Healy is... Oh, here we go. She's born Cherry Kathleen Chadwick Healy. Chav. Okay. She's descended from the Chadwick Healy Baronets. Her father, Nicholas, is the son of the fourth Baronet. She has three brothers. She went to Cheltenham Ladies College, has a degree in drama education. In other words, got nothing at all. And uh, and she's uh, a British television presenter, featuring in self-titled lifestyle documentaries on the BBC. Wow. Uh, since 2015, she's presented the E4 spin-off, The Jump on the Piste. Wow. God. In other words, she's done absolutely nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. She looks like it's a complete waste of space. So, 2016, What to Buy and Why, one series. Uh, 2015, 2016, The Jump on the Piste. Uh, Cherry Healy, Old Before My Time. Looking at the picture of her, yes. Cherry Healy's Property Virgins. Cherry Healy, How to Get a Life. Cherry's Parenting Dilemma. Oh, God, she's a bit, a bit self-obsessed, isn't she? A little bit. They only did one episode of these things. Cherry Goes Drinking. Cherry Goes Dating. Cherry Gets Married. Cherry Gets Pierced. Cherry Has a Baby. Cherry Falls Off the Edge of Cliff. You know, that would be the programme we'd all be looking for. What a self-obsessed little nobody. God, blimey, they must be scraping the barrel. And uh, Richard Coles is an English musician, journalist, Church of England priest. Is he gay? He was in the Communards. He's gay, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he was in the Communards. Don't leave me this way. And now he's a radio presenter. Oh, well, there you go. So uh, he's there. He's openly gay, as opposed to not being openly gay, and lives with his partner, who's another reverend, David Oldham, in a celibate relationship. In other words, not really relationship at all, is it? I never understand these people who go, celibate relationship. What does that mean? That means we don't have sex. Well, it's not a relationship, then, is it? Not a relationship, and it's a bit of an old rumpy-pumpy and jumping on top of wardrobes. There is no point, you know, whether you're wearing your cassock and surplus and clutching a crucifix. It makes no difference at all to anybody. It just seems a bit of a pointless exercise to me. Uh, he has done... All t- apparently he came to the Christian faith in his late 20s after the best of times, the worst of times, pop success. Lord, I was singing in choirs from the age of uh, nine. Nine. And he's done lots of broadcasting and he's done... It's just dreary, actually very boring. Uh, but he has been with Fern Britain on her Fern Britain Meets. He's appeared regularly on Chris Evans' show. What if he was shouted at? What if he was shouted at? Oi! Sit down! love to see that, wouldn't you? Still trying to get over the fact that poor old Donna Air has plumbed some new depths here. Louise Minchin, honestly. She's probably worried about, you know, the rest of the team have been invited onto everything and they haven't invited her onto anything. And so they, they've gone, do you want to do some cooking? Yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I really want to be famous. But uh, it's either that or dancing, so she's screwed up the dancing programme. There's somebody called Alexis here. Who's this one? Alexis. I can't find his name now. So Tina Malone, Tommy Cannon, Richard Colt, Neil Back. Who's Neil Back? We don't... 
He plays rugby. Does he really? Obviously not anymore, I shouldn't think. Uh, Cherry Healy would now go... Gleb Savchenko. Gleb Savchenko. <laughs> you have to find out who these people are because you look at them and you think, I don't, I don't know who you are. He's, he's one of the dancers on Strictly. Oh, my goodness me, that's how bad it's got. Liz Johnson. Oh, that's... A, oh, Gleb Savchenko. Here he is. He's uh, from uh, Moscow. Well, we don't want him over here. They don't, they don't like Eurovision anymore, do they? Don't want him. He was a professional in the Australian version. He's been in the uh, American version and Russian version. Russian version, somewhat different, Strictly Come Dancing. Only have one contestant and you all vote for them. OK, comrades. It's uh, 4.30 and uh, with the news for you. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 17th of May. Very exciting day today. Very Apparently, Neil Back is a rugby player, says June. I mean, God in heaven. Rugby players doing girly stuff like cooking. What is gone wrong with the world? I thought they're supposed to do butch things like, you know, plastering or putting up fences or something like that. But doing, um, about, you know, doing this sort of thing here is just automatic. Absolutely terrible. Poor soul. A little bit of a cooking programme. <laughs> 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. This is from Dean, the black cabbie. Whether he's black or the cab's black, we're not too sure. He says, what is... Because he talks like that. What is Steve Allen's obsession with Katie Price and Peter Andre? It's in the newspaper, Sweet Cheeks. You know, you must, you must read the newspapers more. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm assuming, actually, that maybe you, you need help with sort of reading newspapers. And uh, if, if she's in the paper, she gets featured on the programme. And barely a day goes by where there isn't something, you know. I mean, it's like people talking about, you know, the black cabbie, Dean, the simple one. You know, it's as bad as that, really, isn't it? So you have to be very careful. If it's in the newspapers, it gets mentioned on the programme. If, if you don't like it, then uh, go listen to something else. Seriously, you must grow up. You must try and be an adult. I know it's obviously not easy for you, but do try. Do try and, and grow up a little bit. If you can't manage it, well, then, you know, we just have to sort of delete you and then you never get to write to anybody again. But I've had a look through some of your texts and you're a bit of a simpleton, aren't you? Not your fault. Not your fault. You can't help it. Uh, so somebody else would say, I was on the central line, Steve, a couple of years ago and found I was sitting opposite Justin Lee Collins. He deliberately let his hair and beard grow excessively to hide behind. He looked like a broken Chewbacca. Broken Chewbacca. Well, he got this job, and, uh, and now he's screwed that one up as well. I mean, I, I don't know. Sarah says, I'm surprised that Claudia Winkleman's a high earner. I don't feel she's witty and speaks very badly. I can't understand what she's saying. Well, they obviously like her because she's on the film programme, and and they, they're paying her over, I think it's over about three hundred and fifty or £400,000. I think so. Malcolm says, I haven't watched the Ryland show, but I've seen the trailers and they put me right off. His heart isn't in it. Well, they, the problem is that Ryland uh, can't interview for Toffee. He seriously cannot interview for Toffee. He calls everybody babes, which is uh, slightly sort of slightly dated, I think. Nobody calls anybody babes anymore. And so he's on this sort of programme where they've tried to pad it out so he doesn't have to speak very often. But because he doesn't know what to talk about... He's a, he's a bit of a simpleton, and he wasn't very good because he can't sing either. So he's another bit of a loser. But the, the show, I shouldn't imagine, will, will get recommissioned because it's not pulling in an audience. Most people are not watching it. It's A, because it's on too late, so that's, that's quite good news for him. Secondly, because it's just of no interest to anybody. But seriously, it's got nothing that I can think of that, that actually sort of makes you want to watch it. I, you know, the guests aren't particularly interesting. That was it. And uh, 
Another one, did you hear you were upset so-and-so was with Dan? Rightly so, with the sound of it, says Air Crew Ian. I didn't, actually. I didn't hear about that one. And uh, hanging baskets, new fuchsias, apparently. And uh, sounds quite nice, Dan in Sidcup. I'm not, I don't do fuchsias in hanging baskets because they attract ants. And so I've had fuchsias before. They drop and they're not particularly good news for hanging bar. They look very pretty in some, but you constantly find you're picking up bits from the floor. So double begonias, uh, verbena. I picked up yesterday a, a, a few verbenas and uh, million bells. And I picked up some dwarf geraniums as well. And so they're going in today. Because I bought them, so I'd, I'd actually motivated myself to go out and buy the blooming things. And, uh, and then I got back and I thought, I'll just water them. I'll leave them there. Let them sort of acclimatise, acclimatise for a little... Uh, a little while, probably about a day, because there's still early morning frosts. Still early morning frosts. And so it's a case of leave them there, don't put them in the earth just yet, even though I filled up all the troughs yesterday with the earth, so that's been done. I've got three... But no, I haven't. I've got, yeah, I've got three bags of earth left. Uh, I bought the wrong inner uh, liner to go inside some, some Jardinier stands, so that's a bit of a pain, so I've got to take those back later on and get those changed, but I won't do it today, because today, as you know, is going to be very, very uh, late night. So tomorrow morning... Lord knows what could be uh, what could be happening tomorrow morning on the programme because we've got the programme to do after this uh, late night do tonight and then I've got two interviews to do for In Conversation. So it's going to be quite a busy little night, actually. Book the cars. Cars are all sorted. So uh, that's quite nice. We picked up a home later on today. Go off to the do and then I've got one in the much later. Normally at the time where I would be fast asleep, fast asleep. And, uh, and then in tomorrow, do the programme, and then after the programme, two interviews to do for In Conversation, and, and then collapse. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm hoping they haven't booked me anything on Thursday or Friday, because tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow's going to be Wednesday. That's when the rain comes down. The rain comes down tomorrow at about 6am. Back on the market, it's uh, Cheryl's ex. This is uh, uh, Jean Bernard, who's hanging around with Pammy Anderson. And uh, they were a, a gig by uh, Wycliffe John and Econ, and so that was there. Whether or not they know each other, I've got no idea. He might have said, I'm very famous, uh, but I'm also very dreary and boring because I'm French. And she probably went, hello, I like you. How much money have you got? Um, I have uh, have loads of money. My family are very rich. Wycliffe John is from Haiti, is he? Kind of fits in well, doesn't it, really? From Haiti. How lovely. Uh, Also, the angler who's died. There's two stories about angling in the papers today. Well, one of them isn't. One was about urinating in a koi park pool. And the other one is an angler who dies after a fight with a pal at a fishing lake, which is hilarious. I was watching one of these these police camera action programmes again. It was in Slough. Uh, Slough is, of course, the hotbed of more uninsured drivers, more... Uh, drivers with no licences, more drivers who thieve, and the police have got a whole list of cars. And so they pull some car in, and uh, it's it looks a bit worse for wear, this vehicle. And so the driver, usual sort of gobby little child, gets out, yeah, what, what's, what's happening? What's happening? He said, well, he said, you know, we've stopped you because the car's come up on the computer as being on one of our databases. What's that mean? What's that mean? This is, what's, what, this, this is the mentality you're dealing with. It's the Dean mentality, we've decided to call it for the purposes of this programme. And, um, and so uh, they, they sort of say, so who are you? And he gives them this sort of name and address. And he goes, I don't believe you. That's not your name and address. That comes back as nothing. Comes back as nothing. Because everybody's on, on a database. Whether you like it or not, you're on it. It's as simple as that. And if you've ever had anything to do with cars or insurance or everything else, then you're going to be on it. So they can't find anything. Meanwhile, there's a woman in the car, probably uh, early 20s, I would have thought, and three kids. We don't know whether they're his. Couldn't really care less. It's not, it's not relevant 
to the purpose of the programme, which was to pull a driver who was uninsured. He was trying to bluff his way through. These people are so dumb. They seriously think that if they say, my dad's got insurance, I can drive any car, uh, that the police are going to go, oh, that's OK, then off you go. Whereas the fact they're actually doing the opposite and going, no, you're not insured and you haven't got a licence either, have you? And eventually, after sort of shilly-shallying around, they eventually come down to the fact that he doesn't have a licence, he doesn't have any insurance, and it's not his car either. It's sort of borrowed. And uh, so in the meantime, so they said, right, we're seizing the vehicle because you're not going to let him back in it again, are you? He hasn't got a licence. So they go to this woman who gets out of the car. Well, a torrent of filth emanates from her ugly little mouth. And she's shouting the odds, you, this, you, that, you. Ooh, dear, it got, got worse and worse. You know, you're racist. At one point, they threw the racist card out, which, of course, the police officer smiled and just said, no, we've actually stopped him because he has no insurance. Uh, the car is not his. He has no driving licence. You're racist, you're this. I thought, she's obviously a bit thick. Obviously a little bit thick and quite doesn't understand it. And so she said, well, I'll drive it home. He said... Have you got a licence? No. Well, you're not driving it then, are you? He was trying to explain to this woman, who is possibly one of the dumbest that we've seen on these programmes, but there's a few of them every week, and that's what makes the programme so so exciting for me. I love watching it. I love watching them catching crooks and uh, and people who do wrong to other people. Wouldn't you like that, Dean? You'd like that. I'm sure you would, love. The kind of thing you'd like. He's still listening, of course. He has to. He's got nothing else to do. And, um, and so, eventually, uh, they said, well, you can walk. Well, I want you to get me a car and you pay for it. I'm not paying for anything at all. So anyway, so they turf her out of the car with these kids and they have to trudge up the road as she continues to shout obscenities. Boyfriend got arrested, of course, and taken back down to Slough Nick. It's always entertaining because these people think that they can lie and get away with it and they involve somebody else. So in other words, had he had an accident, which of course was highly likely because he, he didn't have a driving licence, uh, he probably could have killed her and the kids at the same time. But they're, they're so stupid. They don't think about that. They just think about themselves and they think about the, the fact that the, sort of, the police are anti them. Whereas, in fact, all they're doing is they're just, um, you know, sort of taking, taking people off the road who shouldn't really be there. You know, and it's, it's good. It's good. You know, that's, that's why. That's why. You know, you can actually do that. And, uh, oh, Dean's come back again. Oh, he said, I know that wound you up. Oh, God, you're even more stupid than you sound, actually. Uh, my wife works for the biggest law firm on the planet. Be careful what you say about me. Oh, you think you're identified, do you? Oh, God, you're even more stupid than you sound, actually. But uh, not anymore, Dean. You've gone. Okay. Oh, wait a minute, I've just lost. Oh, no, you've gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> we banned you. Okay, good. I'm glad about that. Don't like nasty little people like you, do we? God. And you're driving, are you? <laughs> Wouldn't be getting in your car anytime soon, pal. Anytime. My wife. It's even threats as well. An ugly little threat. An ugly little threat. Uh, Georgina says, I'm currently in Barbados. She says, and I love the show, but we're five hours behind you. So not too late for me. Not too late for me, which is, uh, which is good. She says, uh, I am in bed laughing. I'm, uh, Barbados, so if you're five hours behind... Back, you're early hours of the morning then, aren't you, really, if you're five hours backwards. How nice. I'm not sure, actually. Do they have Barbados radio? They probably don't, actually. They probably don't. They probably don't. Uh, don't forget the Jelly Babies, says Malcolm, for tomorrow. I think we're going to be needing Jelly Babies. Quite definitely needing Jelly Babies tomorrow. Uh, you're watching Road Wars. Great, says Ben, with Pat and Carl and Andy and Chris. Aren't they fa- is, is Pat the, uh, the bald guy? I think he might be. I can't, there is one who kind of talks. He, he talks like he's wandered off a reality show. 
which is very funny. I can't remember which one he is, There's, because there are two. One of them's quite a good-looking copper, and the other one looks like he knows everything about criminals, and he's, he's very good at, at proving that they're liars. Very good at proving that they're liars. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what I quite like about it. I quite like about the fact that he says, he goes, you're not who you say you are. Yes, I am, goes this bloke. And then one of them, the, the one who is even more bizarre... Who'd, who was obviously an alcoholic, some sort of drunk, obviously on drugs or something, and he'd been round and he'd smashed the local pub windows with an axe. And then he'd run like a screaming girl back to his uh, squat that he was living in, so the police turn up, he's been identified, and the only thing he hates about it is the fact there's a camera in his face. There's a camera in his face, you know, and so it's a case of they, they, they put the camera in his face... And he's going, get that camera out of my face and all the rest of it. Which, of course, uh, they're entitled to do because it's public property. You could stand on the road and film who you like. You could do all sorts of things. And uh, because it's a public place. It's like, you know, as I've said to you before, you can go up to somebody and just start eavesdropping on their conversation because they're in a public place. You want to do something privately, go in a private place. But if you stand on the road... So Thames Valley Police, uh, Tango Victor, but they're known really as Tango Vulture. So... Uh, it's interesting. I can't find names. I can't find names. It doesn't say Pat and Carl. We've got pictures of Pat and Carl. Do we know what they look like? No. That's the problem, isn't it? I don't know what they... I would know them if I saw them. Uh, it's strange, actually, because Series 7... And these are old, these things. These go back to 2003. These are, there have been eight series of Road Wars. Last one was 2009. And then there was a special, but that was uh, Road Wars USA, which is who's interested in that one. That's just filling up a programme. So Series 7, and they've got their BMWs. But no, these are old, these things. They're still running them now. They might have retired or even died. We don't know. If it was 2009 was the last one. Series 7 started 2009 Feb, and then Series 7 Part 2, the last eight episodes, started 23rd November 2009, which was narrated by Claire Goose. Lee Boardman did all the other ones. But it's a great programme. Really, really good programme. Really, really entertaining. And it's nice watching criminals dragged off the road. I like things like that. I've always find it entertaining. Where they stand there arguing the toss. And... Um, and then eventually the police go, right, we're going to take you down to the police station and do a, do a fingerprint. And when they did the fingerprint of one guy, he'd already fessed up. They said, uh, what's, what's the thing with the motor? They, the, they were sort of taught, very odd, actually. So what, what's the thing with the motor, he said to him? He said, it's nicked. Which I thought was very, it's the first time they've actually had somebody be that honest straight away. And so what they then did was they then, um, they then took him back to the police station, fingerprinted him. It turned out he's wanted by two police forces because <laughs> he's got a history of thieving. Uh, another one they stopped in the car, who get, get the camera out of my face. He turned out to have absconded for prison, so they put him back in there again. They're fairly successful. Sometimes, though, they have to lose chasing little speeding children in cars and go and chase bigger boy criminals. Far more entertaining. Far more entertaining, I think. But, uh, Steve says, Tina, I don't care how much the BBC presenters earn, but I think it should be the scriptwriters who earn the big money. Everyone you mentioned are just talking heads, reading somebody else's words. Yes, I mean, that is the case. Nine out of ten times, they don't write the news. There's a whole team of people who write the news. You don't seriously think that any of the presenters on the BBC, or anywhere else for that matter, sit there and write their own news, apart from here. Apart from here, where a lot of the people who do, uh, who do write the news, read the news as well. So, uh, 
you know, that's the way it works. But on the television, it's a load of people. I mean, I never thought that any of the people fronting the news programme sat there and actually typed up their own bulletins. It would be done by, uh, by a news editor who would, um, who would sort of type it all up. And then it's, once it's been approved and they then run through it, then it goes up on the auto queue. I mean, Sophie Rayworth once told the producer she does it alongside other editors and they just go, OK, we're doing this and they put it into your words or something like that. She doesn't physically sit there and create the news bulletin. That's created by the editors. The editors put it all together. But as they're sort of sitting there, they go, first of all, they'd have a news meeting before the bulletin in the morning. And uh, Sophie Ray- Rayworth would probably do exactly the same as they do here. There would be somebody in preparing the programme overnight. They then do all their running orders up. And that's when I end up with that bit of paper. And uh, and then that would be sent on to Nick. So when he comes in in the car in the morning, it'll be a set of papers in the car and he can go through them and he can he can see what the running order is. If he doesn't like anything on there, then they, they change it in the morning. Many's the time you come in to find them going, right, we've got a gap at 8. OK, let's move the 8.30 to here. Then we'll look for something new for 8.30. And that's how it works for everybody. That's how it works for everybody because they all do it. But there'll be a big team of people. On the BBC, I would like to imagine how many are working on breakfast time. I should imagine at least, at least... 20, if not more people, at least 20 to 30, I would think. Let's face it, if on the Channel 5 programme that I did, we had nearly 60 people working on it, you can work out for yourself how overstaffed some of these places are. How, how much money does it cost to prepare news? Answer, a lot of money. A lot of money. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Oh, we've missed the break. Oh, I've missed the break again. Actually, I never think it matters too much on the quarter two break. I think the quarter two break isn't as important as maybe the on the hour break or the half past break. And those I do try and hit as near as to, well, especially the one on the hour. It's the quarter two ones I'm rubbish at doing. I just get sort of carried away with it. But it's the nature of the beast, ladies and gentlemen. So it's ten to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Mike says, uh, I'm still working as a motorcycle courier 40 years on. Should have retired three years ago, but still owe. The quality of driving has been going downhill for years now, with pedestrians, drivers, uninsured, unlicensed, all to blame. I went onto YouTube and watched Deadly Accidents. Uh, it lasts 14 minutes. It's scary to see how not paying attention and even minding your own business, uh, even if you're in the right, can be fatal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... The, I told you, yesterday, Sunday, Sunday I came into London, and two people within the space of half an hour, driving the wrong way down one-way streets. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. People drive... Perhaps they're, perhaps they're foreign drivers and they don't understand what the signs mean. I mean, I'm assuming they must have roughly the same abroad. They have one-way streets. You know, the arrow... I mean, it's, it couldn't be simpler, could it? It's for bozos, quite clearly. You have an arrow pointing one way. That means that's the way the traffic goes, not the opposite way. You know, I think we should have zapper guns. I think we should issue everybody in this country with zapper guns, which are something like they would have on Star Trek, and you go, bzz, bzz, and the car vanishes before your very eyes. Brilliant. It'd be a great way of trying to find a parking space, wouldn't it, for big gas-guzzling cars like mine? Just go, bzz, oh, no, we need a bit of a bigger space. Bzz, that's the other car gone. There we go, and you lose two cars. Then they come back, and I did that. Remember years ago, or just buy a tank. Oh, could you imagine what fun you could have on a television programme? That's my tank. And you could sort of, you could have a park, a car parking there. But it would, what it would be, it would be somebody who parks there regularly, who works in a hotel, and uh, sort of manager or something like that. And what you do is you get an identical car made, but it's just a shell, so it's not really the proper car. And then they go, oh, we're doing a bit of filming today. Oh, God, who's left their car parked outside? Quick, he then runs out, and the tank goes over the top of it. That would be so funny. That would be so, they did it, don't you remember, they did it years ago on a, on a, um, 
a What's It programme, one of these game-for-a-laugh kind of things, uh, Beadle's About, and they had a car that looked identical to this bloke's car as he's coming back across on the little boat, and the crane reverses into it. He's going, no, no! As you would as the car falls into the water. Great stuff. I love things like that. Anything that sort of, you know, proposes to make people shout and scream, I'm all in favour of. (laughs) It's the best thing ever. So I think, yeah, that's my tank. That's my tank. Or failing that, you just sort of blow up somebody's house. But my favourite, my favourite, was always something to drive somebody completely round the bend, where somebody goes on holiday. And what you do is, you, uh, you have somebody going on holiday... And when, they, when they've gone off to the airport, you literally bring an army of workers in. You know, like they did that Peter Andre disaster programme, which took a week to do. Everybody else did it in 24 hours. But Peter Andre, who couldn't even hammer a nail in. I promise you, I've never seen anybody so dumb. Really so dumb. And, and then you, you move a new family into the house. You have it completely redecorated on the outside. Inside, you change all the furniture. You put the kids playing in the garden and the kids on bikes outside. So when the family come back from holiday, they go, who are you? They go, um, we own this house. No, this is our house. Oh, I don't think so. Somebody sold it to us. We moved in a couple of weeks ago. And, and wait and see what happens, how far somebody could actually take it before you go, game for a laugh. By that time, you know, the wife's had a heart attack trying to think, where's the house? Where's all our stuff gone from the house? And you could do that. That'd be quite a good one, actually. Or just pretend that they never lived there in the first place. That could be a good thing, couldn't it? You know, you've never actually lived here. What do you mean, never lived here? Well, we've lived here for years. The neighbours next door will swear blind. They won't know who you are. And then, then they go to the neighbours and discover the neighbours have been changed as well. Brilliant stuff. It's always just... Yeah, what's your name? Mr Goldilocks. You could... I mean, you could really have a lot of fun with it, couldn't you? You could absolutely have a, have a load of fun with it. Because they're always looking for new programmes on the television. Because most of you are fed up with... Um, with sort of reality shows, you're fed up with the cooking, you're fed up with just non-entities and bimbos and things like that. You don't, you don't want anything like that at all. Oh it's, oh, it's Prince Harry again. Another photo opportunity. I think they turn up and they go, we wanted the Queen. He's doing boxing this time round. He never looks so he's capable, does he, of doing boxing. He's got a glove puppet on, he just hangs around. You know, Harry's the one who's going to be 60 years old and still single. And William and, uh, and Kate are going to be going, do you think he'll ever go home? He's had to move in. He's become incontinent. Now we're stuck with him. Because he's, he's, he's never going to take anybody. He didn't take anybody to the, uh, to the Queen's thing. Everybody else seems to have boyfriends and girlfriends, except poor old Harry, who can't find anybody at all. I'm sure... Couldn't he go on to Tinder or something like that? Could he, could he you know, Harry, HRH, you know, little, little place down St James's. Well, well, Peter lets me use it anyway. And uh, take little girlies back there, you know. I've been to Vegas before, that's good, but people have got cameras and that was a bit embarrassing when I stood there with nothing on. Everybody had a bit of a laugh at that one. So uh, why not? Why not? Good idea, actually. Try and find him a girlfriend. Gosh, truth, I tell you. Hell would freeze over uh, quickly. Apparently Barbados has a few radio stations. Oh, does it? Are they just? Do they have any speech radio stations, or will they just be uh, be music? Uh, Wayne says, when it's time for ad breaks, doesn't your producer tell you it's a certain time? Good God, no! Oh heavens above, we don't have that sort of relationship. No, I'm supposed to know when they are. You know, you'd think after 36 years, I'd have a rough idea that every 15 minutes there's going to be something going on, and that would be the ad break. The ad break would be every 15 minutes. But uh, as long as I don't miss the ones on the hour and on the half past, because they're they're what we call big junctions. Uh, another one here. Uh, Lucas in Belfast says, "Can you give me the names of plants for planters again?" Oh no, really? It's it's. I mean, I did have to tell Paul Cooper the other day because he said, "What did you buy?" I said, "Verbena." He said, "That's what I wanted." I want, um, I want Verbena. Steve, Series 7 of Road, War, Road Wars was with Devon and Cornwall Police, which is why Claire Goose narrates. 
How's that work out? Well, she lived down there or something. It'd be, it'd be made in a studio facility up here, I would have thought. And Ben thinks Chris is the bald one. He might, he might be. I don't. The other one's Pat, isn't it? But uh, whatever it is, I love the programmes. I love it. I tell you, imagine if you could be copper for a day. You know, if somebody said, um, they'd have to find the uniform that fitted, of course. Oh, I'd have a field day out there. I would have a field day. I really would. Uh, Stefan's working on Tilbury Docks, finishes at six. He said, I can't wait, but you do keep me awake. Can't, the trouble is if you do things like that, you've just got to sort of get, you know, get your sleeping in order. And getting your sleeping in order is a problem. So I'm going home actually to bed today, even though I've been in bed. So I'm going to be uh, going back to get a bit of sleep because I've got this big posh do to go to tonight, which is going to be great with food and booze. But I shall not be indulging in the booze at all. Uh, we sorted the cabs out, so I've got the confirmation of those and I've got cab numbers and everything else. So that's quite nice. And um, and then Kelly. Yes, Kelly Maloney. Oh, sorry. Kelly Maloney has, uh, has hit back at childish Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is the big girl's blouse who just spouts off any old nonsense because he's, he says he's not a bigot, but uh, he doesn't like... Because he he's, he's apparently got gay friends. I bet he has. And, uh, and he, doesn't, he thinks transgenders are freaks. And he thinks he's a role model. He thinks he's a role model. Which, I mean, I, seriously, I can't understand how he could ever be a role model. Perhaps in his tiny little brain, he thinks he's uh, is a role model. A friend of mine says, I've got a big junction. I don't think we've noticed, actually. I think we've noticed. It's a very impressive, very impressive junction. I still haven't checked, incidentally. I've still not checked as to how much money I've won on the lottery because I've got seven notifications. Seven notifications. And I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it be nice if it was it was 57 million? What would you do first? What would you do first? Hugo says, I can't sleep because I'm listening to you. Or is it, I can't sleep, so I'm listening to you. I don't know. And then Rhino says, so you want to be a modern day Jeremy Beadle? Actually, no, I don't. I absolutely don't. I, I you know, I, w- I wouldn't mind, you know, not not working on a program like that. I just, I just think it should be on the television. Oh God, no! There's far more important people than me who can do television presentation. I do radio. I'm a radio presenter. That's what I do for a living, and uh, a very good living it is too. Thank you very much indeed. Tom Hanks says he was an idiot over his diet. Uh, the Lovebirds, who finally say, "I do." They've been courting for 44 years. Isn't that romantic? Isn't that lovely? Prince Harry has another dreary photo opportunity. Princess Beatrice takes selfies behind Granny. She's got no decorum, has she? Common as muck. Uh, the man with the most amazing arm in Britain. He can even charge his phone. Formula One Bernie's art dealer's son has flopped firm. This is what we told you about a short while ago. His surname is Stunt. And he goes out in a fleet of phantoms with bodyguards and everything else. And apparently not much good at the business side of it. And the cruise ship makes Titanic look really tiny. All of that and more coming next. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to the uh, the big spike. Four, five, you name it. We've got it on LBC. It's the 17th of May. The NHS failed a mentally ill killer. An apology, but not to the victim's family. He was stabbed, I think, 39 times. Uh, the cruel dog breeder farms exposed by television. There's one bloke in... Uh, in Ireland, who's got 300 breeding bitches over there. These puppies are crammed into cages. They're full of illness and diseases. These people aren't animal lovers. They're animal killers. Who are the Megabucks presenters on the BBC? Does it really make any difference? Uh, the cancer sufferer who celebrates his brand new willy. He's not seen it yet, but apparently it will be working very shortly. And if you want to reduce cancer risk, get on your bike. 
Which is good, isn't it? Which is good. I like the idea. Although I'm, I don't believe any of these things. I really don't believe any of it. I just, I'm just not totally convinced uh, that by doing anything... I think if you're going to get an illness, you're going to get uh, an illness. And I don't think there's anything you can do about it. I really don't. I really don't. I think, you know, they say, oh, you know, drink this. They were giving out tea yesterday. Do you remember somebody said to us, oh, they're giving out green tea at Waterloo Station. I think they were doing it when we got on the bus yesterday. It looked like they were sort of... Because they were wearing green jackets. And so I get to Waterloo Station, and they've set up their, their tea stall with their green tea, but they weren't serving it. And this is like 20 past seven. I thought, what a blooming waste of time that is. That's the time all the commuters are piling off the trains. So people are sort of going out there, can I have a, can I have a cup of green tea? No, we're not ready just yet. They've got all these sort of pots with all this hot water in and everything else, but they were just hopelessly inept. So later on it might have been fine, but for the early morning commuters, well, pfft, you. They didn't care about you at all. 84850, Steve at uh, Are they making Parliament Square pedestrian area, says Les, because I was diverted? I don't think so. I don't think so. On a Sunday, Parliament Square... No, you drive through Parliament Square, don't you? Oh, you do. yeah, you do drive through it. I thought so. Producer drives through it. I don't. I'm going out, out west, but producer drives through there. I don't think they're, they're pedestrianising it. As far as that, where would they put all the cars? I mean, I don't know how you'd manage it. You'd have to close off the whole of Whitehall. I'm, I'm not sure. Where, where would you put it? You could stop them coming over the bridge, I suppose. And you just say, oh, I don't think you could pedestrianise that. I don't think that would be a particularly good idea. And um, uh, Jonathan Levi. My, it's, it's Sadiq Khan. Oh, right. Sadiq Khan suggested it, so it won't happen. OK, just thought I'd mention that now. That was in December. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Levi's got a great one. Because you know that he, uh, he makes these, these TV programmes, generally which annoy me. Which means it means pretty much so that I'm uh, I'm sort of g- going to mention them for him because he's done programmes on on all sorts of uh, on all sorts of things, and um, he's got a programme coming out. Where is it? Where is the blooming thing? Come on, show me the message. He says it's an ITV traffic cops type series coming out. Okay, wait a minute, I can't. Uh, I can't read. Why is it not? Oh, dear me. It's not loading. It shows me on the front page, but it doesn't show me on the second page. Wait a minute. Let me try and find it. The phone's definitely having having funny little uh, funny little moments here. I shall find it in a minute. Fear not, said he. But it's, it's going to be with people having their cars towed away. Ha! Brilliant. Brilliant. Break the law as far as I'm concerned, and you deserve everything you get. Every single thing. I remember somebody saying to Clive Bull... Years and years ago, he said, um, he said I've, I've just been done by a speed camera. And so Clive said, and? He said, well, I think it's outrageous. And he said, well, were you speeding? And he went, yes. He said, well, that's why you've been done by a speed camera. Why would you think you, you're above the law and you can actually get away, you know, with, sort of, uh, with, with not sort of getting a, a parking ticket? And he went, oh, right. And that, that was the end of the conversation. It was really bizarre, actually, that somebody would think that you could break the law. You know, I think it's a brilliant idea. You break the law, we take your car away. And this one is uh, is going to be quite good. So I will be watching any programme that involves taking away people's cars and crushing them and things like that. I'm all in favour of that. I don't uh, I don't have any any truck whatsoever with lawbreakers. I think if you uh, if you break the law, then uh, then you actually you 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 suffer for it. I'll find out more on this, Jonathan. It's, my phone seems to have jammed up uh, with with your thing, so I'm trying to I'm trying to get to get it back, so I've turned it off and I shall reboot the system. But I'm in phones, honestly. So, definitely not making Parliament Square pedestrianise. Uh, they've talked about it, but it's uh, it's not going ahead as far as we know at the moment. OK, if it changes, you'll hear it first, obviously, on LBC. And uh, it was uh, closer. Oh, it's the state opening of Parliament tomorrow, is it? 
oh, well, then what they'll be doing, they'll be rehearsing. They have to, re- they have to rehearse it, even though they've done it a million times. So they have to do it. Uh, Harry HRH says, Peter, that's having regular holidays. Yes, yeah, so I mean, he doesn't actually seem to have done anything for ages and ages. I don't know, uh, I don't know why. Yes, Barbados has many radio stations, says Georgina, but they're all rubbish. All rubbish. Um, which is, which is, you know, that's fine. I mean, sometimes some people get, I mean, I've, I've seen some, uh, and heard some bad radio stations in my time. The ones I like, which is, which is odd because I'm, I'm not a radio person at all. By that, I mean, I don't know anything about radio. I know what I do for a living, but I don't listen to other radio stations. I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to any. I've got friends in radio, lots of friends in radio, but I don't, I don't listen to them. So you could ask me the lineup of a radio station. I wouldn't have the faintest idea, not the faintest idea. I'm just, you know, I work in speech radio, which is somewhat different from music radio. But the Americans, I like the American style of presenting. I think that's actually quite, quite clever, you know, where it's very fast, very pacey and very, you know, and you can wander through as you drive through America. You can pick up so many radio stations. They seem to have thousands of them. You know, each town could have loads of little radio stations. And I like that 1950s feel. I like gold stations. I like people playing old, old records. On the other hand, I like classical music. And on the other hand, I like some of the more modern stuff that hits the charts. I have to. I buy a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, uh, the albums. So that, that's why. I mean, I'm an eclectic mix. But the presentation in America, completely different to the presentation here. Completely different. Uh, there's a story here of a, a teen who is, wait for this one, you've never heard of this one before, gender neutral. Gender neutral. This is a girl who says, I want my breasts removed because I don't feel like a girl or a boy. Opie Baron said she was assigned female at birth, but feels disgusted and ashamed of her 30D chest. See, I never get these kind of things. I mean, it must be, it must be quite an emotional roller coaster. She currently binds her breast down daily and wears unisex clothes to avoid being identified as male or female. Although you look at the picture of her, it's a woman. Looks like a woman. She's, she hasn't bothered to have her hair cut or anything else, so, because she doesn't identify as anything at all. Isn't that somebody really confused? If you don't identify as either male or female, I mean, there isn't such a thing as gender neutral. There was a guy in the paper today, it's a very sad story, he's a Thai um, ladyboy, and he's just died of cancer. And the reason he's died of cancer is that to dress as a Thai ladyboy, and a lot of the ladyboys have the downstairs department... Uh, still intact, but they have upstairs bits added. Okay, so they're sort of partially there, and it's different. They don't call it gender reassignment, they just call it Thai ladyboys. They're ladies, but they're boys, and they generally dance in shows or operators. Uh, well, in, in a lot of places, they operate as muggers. You've got to be quite careful. Some of them are terribly, terribly butch, and uh, they're supported by the Thai police. You've got to be quite careful, depending on which area you go to. Anyway, this particular one, um, he died of cancer. Why? Because for years, he used to bind his lower departments, uh, lower department down. So he would bind it so it would give him a smooth appearance, uh, dressing as a ladyboy. And the doctors have said that was the main reason that he died, because he got cancer, because it restricted blood to that particular area. And so he got cancer. And then they removed it. Unfortunately, the cancer spread and he died the other day. He was only seriously young. He was only like 27, I think. And uh, and it was all a bit disappointing. And they said that's why, because people people bind themselves downstairs. So when this one here says she feels disgusted and ashamed of her chest, I mean, it must be quite difficult. If you're born a girl and you get to 19 
and you say, I don't feel like a girl or a boy. I don't think there is anything else. I really don't think there is another sex that is acknowledged. You're either a boy or a girl. There is no middle sex. I'm sorry. Well, there isn't any middle sex anyway. They took it away ages ago. And so this is an NHS worker. And now with the support of boyfriend Phil, Opie wants the, uh, the drastic cosmetic procedure to have breast tissue removed. Uh, she said, you're taught from a young age that uh, there's only boy and girl and two boxes you fit into. That's not the case. That instead of it being black or white, male or female, it's like there's a whole range of shades in the middle. I don't think there are, actually, dear. I don't think there are. I think it is either girl or boy. You know, I mean, you could be hermaphrodite, but uh, even I'm not. I think I'm treading into territory. I've got no idea. But there is uh, another one here, uh, a transgender woman called Morgana Snow, who was told to use a nightclub uh, clinic... Uh, sorry, who was, was told to use a nightclub disabled toilet after up to 20 clubbers complained about her using the ladies' loo. A spokesman for a club called Fever in Gloucestershire added, she should have brought a doctor's note so they could have easily explained the situation to other customers. Dear, I'm sure you should have to explain the things to other customers. I mean, in this day and age, they made a big deal about uh, some bloke who's black who has just won an award for playing the cello on the BBC. And they've made a big deal about the fact that he's the first black person to have ever won it, whereas I see it as a, a, as a totally, you know, a, a ridiculous article. Why do you have to highlight somebody's colour? What's the point of that? It doesn't make any difference. Uh, there is a hairdresser who was led from the docks, screaming and swearing, jailed for 12 years. Naya Tui blasted. The system is whatever, people get less for killing people. She's a quite nasty little piece of work, but she'll have 12 years. She's a violent, a violent person. Very, very violent. And you can't have that. You have to actually, uh, you have to actually uh, sort of change it. And you have to change it very, very quickly. Very, very quickly indeed. Because otherwise, you know, people just don't, uh, they don't learn the error of their ways. This one here was, uh, uh, she was once locked up for setting fire to her ex-boyfriend's front door and was jailed for knifing a man in the buttocks. I mean, she's quite clearly got some sort of sick issues. And, uh, and you have to, uh, have to stop it. I cannot, for the life of me, I'm afraid, Jonathan, get any of my text messages from you. I don't know where they've gone to. There's only one on there and I can't, um, I can't find it. There's only one on that thing. Wait a minute. If I, oh, wait a minute, if I send that, oh, perhaps that's it. Perhaps I, perhaps I didn't send a text to you a short while ago, Jonathan, and now it's, uh, it's come back again. Oh, there you go. Oh, yes, so now I've got it. I've got an ITV, an ITV. Uh, oh, he's also, oh, wait for this. Jonathan Levi's also developing some TV ideas with Cherry Healy. Oh, God, you would, wouldn't you? But he did enjoy my Piers Morgan interview. And he says, I've got an ITV traffic, traffic cops type series coming out very soon. People getting their cars towed away all around the country for not having tax or insurance or for parking in the wrong place. It's quite fun. I absolutely agree. You see, that, 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 now that does appeal to me. I would, I would happily enjoy that programme. Does that make me a bad person? No, it means I'm a law-abiding citizen. And the tow rags who uh, don't have the tax or insurance could kill somebody and then, and then laugh at them. They wouldn't be paying a penny piece. And like this woman who was just sent to prison for 12 years, the hairdresser, the ugly person with... Uh, I mean, she glassed somebody in the face while they were unconscious. I'm sorry, dear. I think you should be rotting in hell and staying there for the rest of your born days. Quarter past five. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. From a great night's sleep to the perfect breakfast included. Look at the team this morning. London Underground has blamed rush hour delays on excess sunlight. How does that work? 
I mean, they, they, they don't exactly steer these things, do they? Are they justified in doing it, or are they just feeling the heat from commuters? Actually, I got on the train yesterday, and, uh, and I was sort of sitting there, and you know you have to wait till it flashes up on the signboard where it's going to. So I, I knew I was on the right platform, and I get on there, and the, the guard was ever so helpful yesterday, because he said, you know, if you're going to Richmond or Twickenham, uh, there is a faster train on platform 19 uh, that's leaving in four minutes. So, you could, of course, I wasn't because I was meeting somebody halfway down my line. And I thought, what a nice, helpful thing to do. If I was the guard, I'd be chatting away on the trains. Morning, everybody. Hello. How are we? Yes, if you like to look out of the window, they're doing building work. And if you like to look out of the left-hand side, there's some more building work. Uh, shortly, I'll be pushing around my little trolley. We have sandwiches, Kit Kats, crunchy bars and topics as well. I do tea, coffee, soft drinks and bottles of water. Hope you have a pleasant journey. Anyway, I just noticed as well, somebody putting their feet on the seats. Do it again. You'll be going home in a wheelchair. All right. Thank you very much indeed. If you see anybody with their feet on the seats, start booing and pointing at them. I think we could have a field day on the trains. I did get that. Southwest trains are very keen on this idea. I'd love to. I couldn't sit. St- I couldn't. We had a very posh guard the other day, good morning ladies and gentlemen I thought, because sometimes I can't understand what they're saying seriously, I, I really do struggle a little bit, I sit there and I think I don't know what they've said, and they rattle through it so quickly, you know, take it slowly for me and uh, I couldn't keep quiet I think that they should, uh, they should transmit LBC on the trains and on the underground I th- I know that as far as I'm concerned, the underground ghastly, ghastly place, the underground I wouldn't want to go on there ever again, I had to because remember we had problems at Waterloo Station so I had to get the underground train and it was a different sort of person completely different sort of person on the, uh, on the underground it was a lot of people asleep seriously I've never seen so many people wearing combat clothing and camouflage clothing, clutching their spirit levels and chainsaws and everything else and they, they were asleep, anyway I just said to the producer I, said, I, was, I was watching a programme uh, on the telly, I said and, and the name and it was all about the Tower of London and, uh, and I was saying about Anne Boleyn. Remember Anne Boleyn? And I said the way she was executed. <laughs> and he said, oh. He said, I thought she died in a concentration camp. So I said, going along with the joke, I said, um, no, the Tower of London. It wasn't a, no, it wasn't a joke, but I mean, he was, it was sort of, I thought, perhaps, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I said, no, it's definitely the Tower of London, definitely. And he went... Oh, I got confused. I thought, who's he going to get confused? Uh, Anne Frank, the one who did the diary. The one who, when she was played by Piers Adora in a stage play, the audience who hated her performance so much shouted, she's in the cupboard. Little bit of it, because I was trying to work out where Henry VIII had built a concentration camp, and I didn't think it was very likely. And the reason was that poor Anne Boleyn was executed at the Tower of London. They do this brilliant series on London Live. It's one of the few things that they do, which is quite interesting. And, and they took you behind the scenes at the Tower of London because it was known as a place of execution and it was a prison. It was not known as anything else. It was also a treasure house. And they showed you bits and pieces, which I didn't know from the last time I went there, because I, I think it's great. It's just a shame it's in London and it's surrounded by all these modern buildings which dwarf it. So you've got the White Tower in the middle and you can go inside and kids love it. It's a great thing to do. But uh, poor Anne Boleyn got her death warrant signed. And either Henry VIII could have decided either to have her executed with a, with a sword or by burning it was purely at his whim. And you remember that when we used to execute people years ago by burning, a la Joan of Arc, if you were rich, 
you could pay for dynamite to be put into your pockets so that when the flames reached the dynamite, it killed you so that you didn't have to, to suffer really badly. Because we did do that. We were, you know, when you look at what other people do around the world and you see the dreadful things that ISIS do, I mean, years and years ago, when we used to do hung, drawn and quartered, we were absolutely vile. What we would do is we would half hang somebody, half hang them, and then revive them with vinegar in a sponge Bring them down. I mean, to be honest with you, you were seriously hoping that the hanging would be the thing that killed you. But no, 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 no. After you were half hanged, you were then taken down. You were strung up naked on a ladder and somebody would climb up next to you and disembowel you while you were alive. And then we would cut the body into parts and it would be sent all over the place and in lime pits. I mean, it was it was just really quite atrocious in London. But poor Anne Boleyn actually was woken up by the sound of banging one morning, and they were building her scaffold outside. And uh, she was executed by a swordsman who came from France. Generally speaking, they were drunks, because you'd have to be pretty drunk to want to do that. And uh, she was executed kneeling upright, as opposed to head on the block. And he took the head off with, with one uh, with one failed swoop. I don't know why we ever did things like that. I mean, I just find it absolutely unbelievable. It was that uh, that despot... Henry VIII, who if he didn't got what he, get what he wanted, they, they, they trumped up charges for her that she'd, uh, she'd been disrespectful to him and she'd been having affairs with five people. As if anybody would ever risk it, knowing that the, the end result would be your death warrant sealed. And uh, people were trying to save her up until the last minute and she was protesting her innocence, saying it never happened. It never happened. But they didn't care. And I think she was buried, part of her was buried in uh, St Peter and Vincula, which is inside the Tower of London. I love going there. It's such a historic place. But to get her confused with Anne Frank would have been possibly one of the best faux pas of the uh, of the decade. I've, I've never when I went to Amsterdam, I never went to Anne Frank's house because it's open as a museum, isn't it? I'd love to go. I'd love to go. That would have to be on my on my list of places to go to because she was so iconic. I mean, can you imagine? imagine, can't you, what people were going through in those days and still found time to do uh, the diary. Carol says, talk to your presenters, have you ever watched the shopping channels? Have I ever watched the shopping channels? I'm addicted to the shopping channels. I'm addicted. The jewellery ones are the funniest. The jewellery ones are the funniest. I like QVC and I like Ideal World. They've got a couple, they've got that dreadful Sally Jacks on there. The one with the screechy, screechy voice. Sounds like a parrot that's being slowly strangled. And uh, she's on there. But no, I, I love all that kind of stuff. I, don't, I, I buy occasionally from a few of them, but it would mainly be Ideal World. And uh, I love it. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the presenters. Fascinated. Because I used to have a friend who used to work on there, and he used to sell the globes that are made out of all different uh, precious Stones, and I saw one in one of our local charity shops the other day, and uh, and it was it was really quite interesting because he said how many of these things they used to shift, and he said it was hundreds of them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, which was uh, you know really really interesting, really interesting. Uh, Regina says I'm a cleaner in a building uh, that lets rooms out to key workers. We had a small fire starting one of the rooms by crystal paperweight. The, the, the sun came in the window and obviously burnt paper. Because I was watching the other day, what was I watching? Was it a Bear Grylls programme where they have to create fire out of two sticks and you rub the stick backwards and forwards until eventually it hits and then you have to sort of... Bl- I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's really strange, actually. Really. Uh, really very strange. Uh, another one here. Oh, sorry, I've lost my little mouse here. Tony says, uh, I'm XXY47 male, a.k.a. Kleinfetter syndrome, which means I have both male and female parts. Is that, um, that's another name for it, isn't it? Male and female parts. I'm trying to, 
Is that some Aphrodite, isn't it? That's, I, I... Is there a more PC, really? Oh. Everything's gone PC, hasn't it? But he says, so, I'm technically classed as intersex, neither male or female, but I live life as a straight bloke. Oh, right. Oh, well, there you go. Actually, I know lots of, uh, of transgender people. As you can well imagine in this business, I know quite a few transgender people. But uh, I always thought uh, hermaphrodite. So there are animals which are hermaphrodite. It can also be used to describe ambiguous genitalia and uh, gonadal something in individuals, especially human beings. But now the word hermaphrodite is considered to be misleading and stigmatising. So intersex has come in. Good God, honestly, it's so complicated, isn't it? So complicated. Must be very confusing for teachers at schools now. So male, female, transgender, intersex? You know, just sort of a... Because it, it could be, couldn't it? It could be if you've actually got both both genitalia. God, honestly, the things we talk about on LBC. Who'd have believed it years ago? Claire Rayner used to say to me, she couldn't believe that people used to talk about wings. Remember they used to advertise wings on the television. She said, I can't believe it. I said, well, to be honest with you... To be honest with you, I said it's, you know, I mean, things have changed. I mean, I remember when we had sex programmes. Well, we still have sex programmes on LBC now. But you sit there listening to people discussing sexual things. And then you think, actually, I suppose because it's, it's different. People didn't, uh, people didn't talk about this stuff years ago. I can remember when we used to have Anna and the Doc here in the building. Not in this building, it was in another building. And people used to listen to it all the time. They couldn't believe somebody was being quite open about sex, which nobody generally is. Uh, Mike, Steve... Sunlight can affect the visibility on the train driver's monitor, meaning he can't see if the doors are clear. Uh, oh, did you do the you do the, the doors? Do you do the doors, or is it the guard who does the doors? Because I can always hear the beep 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 when they're they're going to close the doors. And so, I mean, is the sunlight that strong, seriously, that you can't see anything? Wouldn't it go on an intercom, and the guard then goes beep beep, and then he closes the doors, then they wait a second, and then the train pulls away. I love it. I'm fascinated by trains. I, I could happily do a long train journey uh, anytime soon. I could absolutely, absolutely love it. Uh, another one here. Thought about driving to France for the Euros. Well, that's a good idea, actually. And um, uh, just left uh, John in the market. I've had to leave as, uh, as the baby... Brown, number six, looks like it's coming today. Oh, my goodness, Paul, this is very exciting. This is the biggest family I've ever known. The biggest family. And uh, so they look like... So poor old John has been left in the market. And so baby Brown, number six, not at half past five in the morning, please. Not at half past five in the morning, Paul. But uh, that'd be nice, won't it? Let's hope the weather is kind for you today. And so good luck. Good luck. Baby number six they've got. You've never Seriously, you've never met such a polite family. So good luck. I bet Graham's delighted. Fingers crossed for easy birth. But as I say, after five, and this is number six. Got to keep working for the rest of your life now to keep these things going, haven't you, really? But uh, good luck with that one. I'll keep my fingers crossed today and do double prayers as well. LBC News Time, 5.30. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. 28 minutes. No, it's not. 25, 26, 20. Well, it's coming up 27 minutes to 6, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Heavens above, it doesn't matter in the uh, in Paul's family, because uh, they could have baby number 6 on the way today. All LBC listeners, which I'm delighted to uh, report. And um, so, uh, so good luck for that today. Of course, it's going to be mayhem, isn't it? Absolute mayhem over there, <laughs> I should imagine. And uh, so... 
Jonathan Levi's got this new programme coming out. So I'm sure he mentioned it to me ages ago. Last time we went out for lunch, he was talking about this this uh, programme, which is people getting their cars towed away around the country for no tax or insurance. Because what they do around our way, I don't know if they do the same around your way, is DVLA come round. If they see a car that is not taxed, or they know it's because they've got their little computers now, their little onboard computers, they put a wheel clamp on it. Well, there's been one parked up the road from uh, me, uh, and it's had the wheel clamp on it for about the last three months. They can't get it off. And you can't drive, drive away with it until you've paid what's outstanding. Otherwise, uh, eventually they will come back and they will just, they will take it back. They will take it back again, which is, uh, which is interesting. Martin says, I love topics. And uh, Gucci Tom says, that awful death was called hung, drawn and quartered. Yes, I know exactly what it was. Oh, dreadful. And, um, and Matthew says, I went on the Piccadilly line. I couldn't see if the oyster turnstile was the entrance or the exit. Well, I get that, actually. Sometimes just just can't being able to see anyway behind the wheels of the car if the sun is there. Uh, consequently, uh, you have to sort of wear sunglasses a lot of the time. Because it's quite bright. When we leave here this morning, we shall probably put sunglasses on. Because just at the time that we leave, the sun tends to be, uh, tends to be coming up. Uh, in bed with Piers. This is uh, Square Eyes. It's a new TV column. In the mirror. Takes two of them now to do the job that Kevin O'Sullivan used to do. And uh, Piers, fantastic. Uh, really, really good. And then Gleb Savchenko is pictured in the paper today. He, uh, he's he got to knock up a chicken Kiev. Honestly, we just met anybody into these third-rate celebrities now, don't we? But uh, he talks as well here about... Um, about... Oh, dear. About uh, Kylie and Jen to join the voice dream team. So I think they've got to put uh, on it... Tom Jones. I'm not interested in Will. I am. He's an American. Why do we need an American to tell us what's what's good, bad, or indifferent? Good heavens above! Who's that? <gasps> this is uh, Anne Robinson. She's uh, she looks as though she's had some sort of surgery, and she was leaving a hair salon, which is lovely. But she's definitely aged. We don't see her on television now, do we? We don't see Anne Robinson at all. Mainly because the program, the weakest, you are the weakest thing. Goodbye. Uh, it took them ages to film it. Because she would have to be given a withering put-down line, which they then have to cut in. And then somebody was telling me the other day, I was asking about the voice of Siri. And the voice of Siri used to be John Briggs. Uh, but it's not now. It's a different voice. And he originally did it for somebody else. I know it turned up on, on Apple, but he'd done it for somebody else. So I hope he got paid well for it, because he's got one of those voices. It's so clever, voice recognition. I remember having it years ago. A friend of mine, Lee... We went to America and he said, oh, I'll buy you something. I went, oh, that's nice. And so he bought me this, like, a little diary thing, but it was a voice recognition. So you put the names in, you had to, you know, do, it had to recognise your voice. So you had to go A, E, O, U, then, and then do one, two, and do all these different things. And apparently it was supposed to never learn a thing. Mine was the most useless computer I've ever had. And also, what's this? Explain this one to me. I bought a little fan for the bathroom. I like a little fan. It clips onto a shelf, which is above the sink. It's mains operated. And it's, it's working. It's beautiful. I have it on 24 hours a day. Keeps the air turning around. Makes me feel better. There's no air coming out of it. I put my hand in front of it the other day. And it's turning really fast. But there's no breeze coming out of it. And I thought, well, how is that possible? Is it backwards? Is it going backwards, the motor? And is it... Because I put my hand behind it and I couldn't feel it. And normally at the front of a little tiny fan, it's only a little, what's that, six inches, something like that. Six inch, nine inch fan. Clips on and it turns and it's very fast, very fast. And it's supposed to blow in your face and there's no air coming out of it. 
How does that happen? Even if it was going backwards that the air would still blow out, wouldn't it? Anybody know that? Is, that? is that a conundrum for you this morning? To try and work out why there is no air coming out of the fan at the front. And in fact, it's only because I sort of put it on the other day and I sort of, I'd, I'd done something, I can't remember what it was, and I thought, oh, that, that's quite nice to have the fan on. And I suddenly thought, so I held a bit of paper in front of it, a little bit of tissue paper. Never moved. Never moved. And the, the blade's definitely turning around. I just can't, can't quite work out what it's not doing. It's all very odd, isn't it? This is, uh, I've never had that before with a fan. Even if it was backwards, you'd still get, unless it was throwing the air backwards or something. I'll have to look at it again today. This, this might be in danger of doing something bizarre, like blowing up or something. But I've never heard of that before. The fan, of which, I mean, I understand on the Dyson fans, the fan is actually built into the base of the unit. And so it goes up and then it sort of fizzes round. But I'm not sure how this one works. It's only cheap. It's a... Yes, if, if, if Professor Brian Cox is listening, can you explain that to me? Because I must be losing my marbles or something. Unless, of, I mean, I'm assuming it's still... Yeah, I mean, it must be connected, must it? It's going round. It's making all the right noises. It's just not blowing any air out. I'm going to have to look at it when I get back. This could be the thing that is the disaster of my day. I can tell you, by the time we get to tomorrow morning, we'll have enough material. After tonight, we'll have enough material to fill a, a programme for a, a month. You need to clean the blades of the fan. It will work again. It's brand new. It doesn't need cleaning. It's brand new. Brand new. Uh, Steve, my gran worked... Uh, well, she'd be over 100 if she was still alive. Worked in a maternity unit when she was young and said she was amazed how many babies were born with ambiguous genitalia. Good grief. Honestly, the things you learn on this programme. The pitch of the blades are too shallow, says Ian, with the twins. It's, a, it's just odd, isn't it? It's just very strange. I might have to look at it again this morning. It's definitely working. It's just not blowing out any air. I don't like things that never work. It, really, it, it annoys me. It doesn't annoy me. It's just, it's quite funny, actually. It's quite funny. Uh, do you remember, Steve, when Cubic Zirconia came onto the market and the big sell only on the jewellery channels, you could only, only on there could you tell them from real diamonds. When they say diamonds on these programmes, you know, I think they're really, they go, oh, and this is top grade. And they come up with some, this is AA. And you think it's sold to people who've probably never been in a jewellery shop. And if they have, they don't know what they're looking at. You know, and they go, this is really, and some of the, some of the men now get a little bit overexcited. There's one who used to do fashion called John, who used to be on um, on the television, and then he was dropped, and he's possibly one of the campus presenters on the television. He's fairly old now, and he wears his glasses on his head, and he goes, oh, look at this. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, that's lovely. And and they sit there, and we look at this sort of, this tat, and and it just looks awful, some of this stuff. But people want to buy it. He goes, oh, what sort of price are we coming down to? And he looks off camera. And um, and they go, oh, it's coming down to that, is it? Oh, sixty nine ninety nine. And you think, what sort of stuff are you buying at sixty nine ninety nine? Answer: You're buying tat. You're buying tat. You might as well buy costume jewellery. Has just as much effect. Just as much effect. You know, when we were on board ship, when we were on board ship, it was years ago now. But they had jewellery for sale, and it looked like it was lovely. Big, big, chunky gold rings with all these diamonds inset into the top. Uh, the type of sort of thing that um, Tyson Fury would probably wear because it looks blingy. It's blingy looks, you know, it's sort of shiny, shiny. And they were selling it at like sort of 20 quid a ring. You th- if you're selling it for 20 quid, it probably costs you about a fiver. And they had lots of it and I bought stuff. We, we used it for a lot of the shows 
because we had uh, we had such a thing about bling that I think the very first uh, one-man show we did, I was draped in Christmas lights and we had all the rings on and the bling watch, the, the really bling watch. I mean, everything was designed to shine. Shoes were shiny, everything was shiny. We had shiny shoes, shiny jackets, everything. It was all shiny, shiny. It was lovely. And, uh, and it, was, it was good fun, but it's the fan I'm now worried about. I'm very worried about this. I might have to look at it when I get back. And I've turned it off and turned it on again, thinking maybe it's reverse polarity, but that doesn't seem to work either. Uh, Two weeks rain in a day coming up. This is uh, tomorrow. Apparently it's going to come in in the early hours of the morning. So probably about three or four in the morning, which doesn't bother me. As long as I'm actually in the building, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, Brian had a fan that wasn't working, says Noreen. The blades were the wrong, wrong way round. Check it later. Do you think that could be it? Do you think it could be that? Because it's definitely working. It's definitely working. But I don't see how they can be the wrong way round. Can they? Re- I'll have to have another look at it. It's, you, you, you're probably all right. You're probably all right. Just have a great time later. Yes. Uh, Steve, if the blades are flat, it won't generate an air movement. It had to be angled to produce the draft, says Phil. Oh, it's, it's a proper fan. It's, it's not like I haven't sort of bought a proper fan or anything like that. He says, don't worry about the one in the bathroom, says Peter, when you've got millions of us out here. The old gags are the best. But I've always had a fan in the bathroom. And the funny thing is about this one, this is where I think something's odd. Normally, fans get dirty, don't they? And because this is only a small one, I've normally got sort of a, 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 a thingy pad, which sort of picks up dirt and stuff like that. And, uh, and this one looks as clean as the day it went into the bathroom. It, hasn't, uh, it doesn't look dirty at all. So maybe, maybe it's making the noise, but perhaps the blades aren't turning. Whatever it is, it's very odd. Uh, a voice like a strangled parrot, says Pete. Yes, unfortunately, this is uh, Sally Jacks. She really has got the worst strangulated voice. You could never put her on radio. Abs- it's just dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. She was dropped, you remember, years and years ago from, I think, bid television. And uh, I think she's overstretched herself. Uh, a lot of other people tell me about the, uh, the angle of the blades... Steve, regard the fan. Have you got it on the right setting? Yeah, it just goes on or off. It's got two two speeds. Two speeds. Maybe you should get an air cooler for the bedroom. They work wonders for hay fever. I've got an air cooler. I've got a fan, and I've also got uh, an air conditioning unit in the bedroom as well, because I, it, it gets a wee bit hot. And in the middle of summer, there's one thing, and also the curtain's permanently closed because it keeps the heat out. We don't want to do any of that. Uh, Jess says, if it's a two-pin plug, I don't think you can actually put uh, two-pin plugs in anymore now. I've got one for the shaver, but that's a special shaver unit. This is a three-pin plug. It came fitted. Came fitted. Stephen Luton, the car for ever being clamped. Some of them are Mercedes and BMWs. Why do you see? I don't look on Mercedes and BMWs as being luxury clamps, uh, luxury cars to clamp. I just think to myself, if somebody's got an illegal car, um, then it deserves to be clamped and towed away. It's as simple as that. They got some bloke uh, a short while ago and it was... What was he driving? Oh, it was a real super, apparently, Mercedes. And he got stopped in Slough. And it turned out he was driving it for the bloke who owned them. He had a fleet of them. And it turned out this uh, this bloke was banned from driving. He shouldn't have been driving. In Knightsbridge, of course, the, the gold supercars were over here. This was by some poor... Uh, unattractive bloke who'd come over from uh, from Saudi, and he had a, a Lamborghini, a Mercedes, and a Bentley. Uh, if if he wants to get them back, he he has to pay fairly quickly. He doesn't really. It doesn't matter to him. He said, "I think the Bentley looks fantastic. I I, I would drive that uh, that Bentley. I would seriously drive that Bentley. Oh, it's a Rolls Royce actually. It's a Phantom, isn't it? And so he's got the Lamborghini." The Mercedes, oh, and a Bentley Flying Spur, and a Rolls Royce. Nice. She's not remotely bothered 
about getting a parking ticket. Why would you be bothered about a parking ticket? You're driving a car worth a small fortune. Personally, I think it's very flash. And, uh, and I wouldn't drive a flash car like that at all. I'd just drive a practical car. But these are from the super-rich who descend on London streets. Because the trouble is, if you're in Saudi or Dubai and places like that, they're used to seeing these cars. They're all ten a penny, these cars. So they have to bring it over here, where, where the poor people of Knightsbridge go, I can't believe it. We see these people come over and they bring their bloody cars here. Dreadful mess. And so they get parking tickets. But now Kensington and Chelsea have put a ban on motorists from revving engines. And what is it with this revving engines? Isn't that simply, you know, room, 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 room at traffic lights? You know, and you think, you want to use petrol? There's a lot of it. It's around here. I know, it's the little boy racers, but have you seen their ghastly cars, honestly? It's like Mummy and Daddy have lent them sort of a little light they can put underneath the back thing and they jack it up a bit. And they drive it. All right, girly? All right? They're a bit like that. Do they laugh at your mini? Oh, they don't laugh at my car. All I get is neat wheels, mate. Neat. That's what I got last time. Neat wheels. I thought, yes, because of course they are. They're just wheels to keep the car on the road. Look, I'm, I'm nearly, I've done something unusual this morning. I've nearly hit the proper out time. Used to be a bloke years and years ago on the radio. And he couldn't tell the time. And he would do the breakfast show and he'd go, it's quarter to eight. Seven. Quarter to six time. And, uh... 20 to 5. He just, he gave the most, they were so random. And he was very famous for giving the wrong time checks. Everybody else just laughed and they thought, there's no point. In, and I used to get people writing in if I gave the wrong time check. And they'd say, can you read the clock properly? And you think, you've got anger management issues, haven't you? You need to go and seek some help or something like that. It's like people saying, can you stop slurping your drinks? Of course, I deliberately slurp it just to wind them up. Or, I can hear your phone. I can hear there's a message coming through. Well, that, that delights me even more. Delights me even more. The more you can do to annoy somebody who really gets angered by that, the happier I am. 30, no, 12 and, no, 11 and a half minutes to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. It's 10 to six. There you go. That's about the best time check you're ever going to get on this programme, the most accurate one. It's Tuesday the 17th of May. It's nice to have your uh, company. It's Steve Allen with you until 6.30. Do you know, if, when I fly on an, an aircraft, and I don't do... A horrendous amount of flying. I do like flying. I find it. I find it. I like the takeoff. I love the takeoff. You know, when it sort of taxis round and you sit there and everybody else is sort of. Ingr- I'm looking out the window. I'm the one sitting by the window, looking out, going, "Go on, put your foot down, put your foot down." And then he puts his foot down, and we boot it down the down the runway, and then the thing takes off. And that's my favourite bit. Once we're up in the air, that's the boring bit for me, and I hate it. I don't enjoy it at all. So I'll generally have a bottle of water. And I'll pull the blind down and I go to sleep. I'm quite happy. So it doesn't bother me whether there's meals on board a plane or there isn't. Some of the, uh, some of the, some of the nicest little meals, when you wake up, when we flew last time, we went to Vegas and we went virgin. And uh, they sort of wake you up with a, a toasted sandwich. I think we had hot ham and cheese. And that was quite nice. And then an ice cream. And I thought that was quite pleasant. But they're now saying, will passengers have to buy meals when they fly B.A.? So, uh, in other words, if you fly Ryanair and you're going from Stansted, uh, London-Barcelona return between June the 8th and the 10th. I've got to get the, the timings right because it varies on different uh, times of the year. Eighty four ninety eight. Choice of seat. If you say, I want to sit there, that's an extra £12. Uh, if you want your bag in the hold, that's £60. So, in other words, if you're flying Ryanair... Don't, don't take a bag to go in the hole because it's 60 quid. So that takes your £84.98 uh, flight up to 156 If you go EasyJet, uh, they have six daily flights. Again, June the 8th to the 10th, London, Barcelona, 79 49 
If you want a choice of seat, that's £8.98. OK. And if you want your bag in the hold, £34. If you go British Airways from Gatwick, same place, London, Barcelona return, June the 8th to the 10th. Now, I know that they've started going cheaper because a friend of mine, Kasia, who cuts my hair, she's flown off to Poland for a holiday and she got it with British Airways. Fantastic. I mean, phenomenally cheap. Anyway, they're charging... Bearing in mind, Ryanair was eighty four ninety eight, EasyJet seventy nine forty nine, which totaled one hundred and fifty six ninety eight or one hundred and twenty two. British Airways, one hundred and eleven pounds and two pence for your return flight. Same dates as everybody else, June the eighth to the tenth. Your choice of seat, free. Baggage in the hold, free. Food, free. Coffee, free. Beer, free. So the total is £111. So, in fact, you would be better flying British Airways from Gatwick as opposed to Ryanair, who are a good £40 more expensive. If there's four of you, that's £160. People say, oh, it's the budget airlines that are the cheapest ones. If you want a sandwich with Ryanair, it's £3.50. A cup of coffee is £2.35 and a beer is £3.50. If you go with EasyJet, four fifty for a sandwich, two thirty for a coffee and four quid for a beer. Why would you not want to travel British Airways? You're saving yourself a fortune. £156.98 on Ryanair. Exactly the same flight, exactly the same food, your sandwich, coffee and a beer. £111.02 with British Airways. Does that not make... I mean, I, I don't see any argument there at all. I always thought that, uh, you know, mind you, I have to say I did win money out of the man who runs Ryanair because his horse won in the National. So, consequently, <coughs> I did quite well out of it. Thank you very much, Annie. But, I mean, I would only ever want to fly British Airways if there's that much difference in price. I can't understand why you'd want to uh, do anything else. Oh. Dear. Uh, 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. Thank you for mentioning the Tommy uh, Bahama shirt. I've just bought one. It's the best fitting shirt I've ever had, says Paul. He says you've got taste. I tell you what, in a year's time, you'll be washing that shirt and it will look exactly the same. They don't age their shirts. They really don't. I've got a friend here in this building who is, who is bringing me in a shirt. I, I'm not sure if it's Tommy Bahamas, but it's, uh, but it's, it's certainly a very nice <laughs> Hawaiian shirt, which I quite like. Uh, John O'Coleman, years ago, used to wear Hawaiian shirts all the time. And uh, he, was, he was the larger figure, or as I prefer to call it, the fuller figure. Uh, Steve, was that flying first class? I wish. I wish. I don't think you need to. If you're only going to Barcelona, it's only short flight anyway, isn't it? So it doesn't make any difference whether it be first class. About an hour, which would be uh, fantastic. Morning, young man. Mike says, always British Airways. Well, it is when it's that cheap. It is when it's that cheap. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's absolutely worth it. Prince Harry. I'm a bit bored with Prince Harry now. And uh, Prince William putting on a pair of boxing gloves. If anybody looks less butch than Prince William, I'd be happy to point them out to you. But uh, Harry's doing it as well, because now you kind of get all three of them together. She must be going, sorry, can we have some time to ourselves, Harry? Thank you. Goodbye. Go home. Go out. Go get drunk. Do anything. Just don't hang around us all the time. Uh, what else do we have? We had Angelina Jolie speaking uh, yesterday. I don't know why anybody ever thinks that uh, an actress can actually comment on anything at all. Uh, I'm very sorry, says the terror expert who left a fake pipe bomb at the stadium. I mean, quite clearly, he's got to be the simplest man. His name's Christopher Reed, and his failure is that he can't count to 14. Because he thought he'd counted them all back in again. 
Uh, there was nothing the matter with it. It was uh, the reason the dog didn't pick it up is because there was no explosives. It was just taped to a, uh, a piece of pipe work, I think. And that was it. But he can't count to 14, forever known as the buffoon, I'm afraid, who caused chaos. Uh, put the phone away, B. She was taking a selfie of herself, quite clearly trying to include the Queen. If the Queen sees this, and she will today, she'll be not happy. Obviously, Beatrice is uh, not really interested in anything Her Majesty does. She's interested in furthering her own dreary life and existence. As crisp packets are found in the countryside, looking nearly new after 33 years, how long does litter take to rot? If it's an apple core... You can throw it onto your compost and it will rot down in two weeks. Uh, Six weeks for cereal boxes, paper bags, banana skin, stuff like that. Two to three months would be waxed milk and fruit juice cartons, cardboard. Uh, Six months, cotton clothing, T-shirts, paperbacks. Six months to rot down. Two years, orange peel, plywood, cigarette ends. Because cigarette contains more than 600 ingredients, of which the longest lasting is cellulose acetate, a plastic found in 95% of cigarette filters. Heavy woolen clothing, five years to rot. 10 to 20 years. Plastic bags. 10 to 20 years. So it's people saying, oh, don't worry, it's a plastic bag, it's going to be very good and all the rest of it. 30 to 40 years. Tights. Wind cheaters. Carpets. Disposable nappies. Although some think they could last 500 years. 50 years. 50 years being buried and rotting. Tin cans, car tyres, trainers, foam coffee cups and leather. And so it goes on. Uh, 500 years. What would be an item that would still be looking exactly the same in 500 years' time? If I tell you plastic bottles, you'd be going, are you sure? 500 years. One to two million years. I know it seems ludicrous. Glass, jars and bottles, but they may last indefinitely, as glass formed in lava flows millions of years ago is still present today. Glass is mainly composed of silica, which is one of the most stable and enduring minerals on the planet, and even longer batteries. That's why you should recycle them rather than put them in the main bin, because they won't be going. So one to two million years, glass, jars and bottles... And people go, oh, don't worry, we're going to put it on landfill. It'll still be there in a million years' time. It's ridiculous. And yet the average body, isn't it about six months now, I think, to actually, uh, to actually decompose because of the heat. But it's not going to make any difference to, uh, to glass bottles or plastic bottles or stuff like that. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's just appalling. And the stuff that we throw away, I mean, we throw away tonnes of stuff. I'm as guilty as the next person. I really am as guilty as I seem to throw away stuff almost on a, on a regular basis. It just seems to take forever. So you have to throw it away. So I spend all my time buying black bin liners to throw stuff off. Um, my black cab poet, Michael, says, This time next week, I'll have just taken off from Gatwick en route to see my good friends in sunny Cyprus. He says, I can't wait. Well, you have to check out who you're going to fly with, because having told you the prices this morning, and you'd have thought British Airways would have been more expensive, it turns out even with the budget airlines of Ryanair and uh, EasyJet, British Airways are the cheapest. And Deborah says, it's quite common, this is the sunlight, but it made the news because of the delay getting staff to the trains. No guards on the tubes. Actually, strangely enough, I was on the train the other day, and the train was so late leaving, we were waiting for a driver. 
Well, I mean, I could have driven it myself. You've only got to move the handle, haven't you? Can't be that difficult. I'd love to do it. I wonder how much... Oh, we know what it pays, don't we, really? Um, the man with cancer in America, they've given him a new downstairs department. And he says it shouldn't be... There shouldn't be a stigma attached to it. He said he's more than happy to talk about it. He'd quite like to see it now. He got it from somebody who died who obviously has no use for it anymore, and they just sort of reattached it onto him. And they said it should function normally, but it's, it's a, a case of suck it and see, I suppose. Uh, the cruise... Sorry, I beg your pardon. The cruise ship that makes Titanic look like a minnow. <laughs> Deal with that uh, before half past. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Oh, well, still here, apparently. Anyway, coming up on the <laughs> programme of the last 26 minutes, the NHS who failed the mentally ill killer. That's what the family have said. Uh, no apology. Well, not to them, an apology to everybody else. The biggest mistake of the decade. They want to bring back two of the carry-on films. You cannot improve or remake something like that. They were of their time. You can't do it. They tried it and it just didn't work before. Katie Price gobs off yet again. When will she realise that she's killing loose women stone dead. Uh, the, oh, let's leave that one. Uh, who's the Man United security chief who can't count to 14? You know who he is. And Kelly hits back Kelly Maloney at the attention-seeking child who is Mr Fury. What he comes up with. And which airport's most likely to lose your luggage? Just about any of them, I suppose. But there is one that is the top of the list. Uh, and there's also lovely pictures of the secrets of the floating city. The biggest cruise ship ever. And it's huge. It's got an ice skating rink, uh, fitness centres, the main theatre. They've got a proper theatre in there. It's, I mean, it really, it's quite impressive. But just remember, you're sharing the ship with thousands of other people. It is, it's like, almost they start with a base and then they build and build and build. Uh, they've got 10,000 plants and 52 trees in the Central Park neighbourhood. This is, this is what they actually plant on board this. It's a, they keep 100 gallons of chocolate ice cream, which they use per seven-night cruise. Uh, 3,415 pieces of sports equipment, including 185 pairs of ice skates, 130 golf clubs and 31 surfboards. Sounds great, doesn't it? I do. I mean, I do like it. I think that's, it's quite a nice thing to do. And uh, cruising is great. Also, the cello star. Here he is. This is uh, Sheku Kane Mason, the first black winner of the Young Musician Prize. Uh, at the age of nine, he achieved his highest mark in the country for his grade eight cello. But they sort of, they make a big deal, don't they? He's the first black winner. Can we stop seeing colour? Can we just see a person who's very gifted? You know, it just, it just, it's like sort of two paces forward and, and one person backwards. Or something like that. Uh, also, the driving licence you keep on your smartphone. That's a good idea. I'm all in favour of that one. All in favour. And, uh, and... <laughs> Charlie Girling said you made me laugh out uh, loud today. I'm back at work today. Are you around? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Today I'm going home to sleep because I'm off tonight to an award ceremony. And uh, we're bending over backwards for this one, literally. Because uh, I should go back, sleep, do a, do a few things, then I should get some sleep. And then hopefully be awake for it and then, then go home. Because I've got to try and keep going through till about 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. So if I sleep this afternoon and this morning, I might just about do it. But I'm going to have to bring jelly babies in. It's the only thing that keeps me going. Jelly babies can actually provide me with enough sugar to send me through the roof. So with a combination of some coffee and some jelly babies, we might just get through in, in one piece. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to have to wait and see, I think. God knows, I don't know. Come up with some of the things on this programme. And uh, so, Steve, things that'll look the same in several hundred years' time. 
Amanda Holden's face. Oh, that's so cruel. Seriously, that's so cruel. She's ever so nice, honestly. She's lovely. Uh, Carol says, I switched to BA last year when I saw how cheap it was compared to the so-called budget flights. People are being conned. They're not cheap at all. Well, the flight is cheap, but it's the extras that add up. So by the time you... I mean, can you imagine with Ryanair, you've got to pay 60 quid to put your baggage in the hold. If, of course, you don't have any baggage, well, then you can save a bit of money if you don't have a sandwich or a cup of coffee. But are you allowed to take water on board a flight, or would they think that was a bit bit odd. I don't know. Uh, another one here. Always better flying BA. Steve, we had a BA flight booked and paid for. Gatwick to Barcelona. We arrived the night before to stay in a hotel, check the flight details, came up cancelled. No explanation, no replacement. Lucky enough to book EasyJet. What's made it worse is we had a cruise ship to get to. Oh, John. Oh, you were picking up in Barcelona. Right, right, right. That would have been Royal Caribbean, wouldn't it? I think they actually... Um, I think they actually take off. You can pick it up from Southampton but you can also pick up Barcelona I think. Is it true bid up TV's coming back, says Francisco? Well, I hope not. It was rubbish first time round. Uh, Sophie says, don't forget Ryanair charge money to print your boarding pass. Do they? Oh, blimey. Somebody said, is that flying first class? I don't think Ryanair have first class, do they? I don't think so. Very interesting. Do you remember Peter Simon says, Shane the train on QVC and bid up? Always made me laugh. Cross between Bobby Ball and Larry Grayson. Oh, he'd be furious at that. Furious. I know he listens to this programme. So uh, perhaps he wouldn't be furious. Perhaps he wouldn't be. And uh, our council, Steve, will not let us use black bin liners. They said they're not biodegradable. Well, it turns out not much is biodegradable, is it, really? It's all a little bit worrying. And uh, looking forward to Friday is going to feed red pandas, says little Julie. Uh, Pete says uh, glass is not pollution. Glass is vitrified sand. Of course it lasts millions of years. If you grind up glass, you get sand, which is lovely. Uh, they're, they're selling in Costco Tommy Bahamas fold-up beach chairs. I know only in America do they sell the Tommy Bahama shirts. Not all year round either. Uh, Mike says, my ex-wife's been decomposing for years. Poor soul, actually. Poor soul. Listening to you talking about uh, QVC, says Sharon. I was on a flight home last week and watched the film Joy, but boring. It was a true story about how Joy sold a mop on QVC. Yes, it stands for quality, value, convenience. She says, you learn something new every day. And Bridget always uses BA for holidays to Spain or the Canaries. Yes, I mean, it's interesting when you look at the cost, isn't it? It's interesting when you when you really look at the cost of these things, and you think. I mean, I don't know. Are we are we are we cost conscious nowadays? I think we are. Are we the sort of people who go? I want to save. If there's four of you going and you can save forty pounds, then I'd be in favour of saving four. That's hundred and sixty pounds. That's that's a few extra ice creams, isn't it? Um, they found uh, Sinead O'Connor, uh, the troubled singer Sinead. I did an interview with her. She's on our on our bank of celebrities for In Conversation. And uh, we had a very interesting chat. Very interesting chat. Uh, Also, summer's on the way. 86 degrees Fahrenheit. How awful. I can't think of anything worse. 80... Oh, dear, I don't even want to think about 86 degrees. That fills me with absolute horror. Uh, I was an idiot over my diet, says uh, Tom Hanks. He's got type 2 diabetes. And he said, I was a total idiot for not controlling my diet as a young man. Oh, will you wait... It's going to get uh, going to get worse and worse, isn't it? Because all the people who are eating all this fast food now, terrible. Uh, the lovebirds, they finally say, I do. They courted for 44 years. This is Sally and Colin Dunn. And they finally got together. They finally, he says, I did ask her. And so she said, yes. So they finally done it. They finally done it. Isn't that nice? I think that's it's nice to have a sort of a romantic 
kind of uh, story on the programme. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, they go, what is it about ladies in lingerie that he likes? Well, he's Leonardo DiCaprio. He can obviously pull whoever he wants. and take him long to get rid of that poor Irish girl, did it? She only lasted the night and that was about it. Uh, Angelina Jolie says we must all solve the refugee crisis. She would know. She would know. She's been campaigning for years and years. And uh, it's the film that made Tom Cruise, Top Gun. Whatever happened to the people on it? Where did they go to? They've done one of these behind-the-scenes look at Top Gun. I don't think I ever saw Top Gun. Was that the song that Take My Breath Away came from? Take my breath away. Ooh, something like that. I don't know, it was about an airline pilot, wasn't it? That's about, that's about all I know. Fighter jet pilot or something. And it was Tom Cruise at his, uh, at his best looking. Although I liked him in Risky Business. I thought he was great in Risky... It was Take My Breath Away. Was it Berlin? Yeah, look at that. I'm getting better and better, honestly. It's amazing how all of a sudden you can remember that, but you can't remember your car number plate. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Somebody got stopped the other day uh, because it, I think it was written by Giorgio Morodo. Giorgio Morodo was behind the Munich machine. He was very, very well known, actually. And Tom Whitlock... Uh, performing with the band Berlin. They got uh, Academy and Award, uh, Academy Award, I think, for that, for Best Original Song, and uh, and Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song in 1986. Doesn't that make you feel old? Berlin were a very good-looking group. They looked a bit uh, bit Eurovision. Uh, top TV star Amy Childs. You wait till you hear it. You wait till you realise just how out of her depth she's going to be. The reason they don't put her up on these sort of shows is because she speaks like a three-year-old. Seriously, it's going, to be, it's going to be so embarrassing, but they can't get anything else for her. And so they need to sort of have some sort of, because she's been a disaster in the boyfriend stakes. And Audley Harrison's going in there as well, together with Sunita. I can understand that. Jimmy Osmond's done quite a few of these cooking programmes. He's actually not bad, because he did a Come Dine With Me. He did a Come Dine With Me, so he's obviously doing... It's some of the other people on there that you feel a bit, uh, a bit embarrassed about. The, the, the Strictly Pro dancer, Gleb Savchenko, and former blues singer, Simon Webb. And, um... Uh, BBC executive producer Carla Maria Lawson says uh, this year's celebrities come from an incredibly mixed range of backgrounds and the diversity of their life experiences are reflected in their food. What a load of old claptrap they come up with. Go away, you silly person. It's all about cooking and them going on television because they haven't got any other work at the moment. That's what it is. Um, the, the, the testing challenge in the semi-finals will be a five-course dinner for Chelsea pensioners. Well, that'll have to be liquidised, won't it? They won't be eating anything solid, for goodness sake. <laughs> Uh, also, John Middleton, uh, he's in uh, Emmerdale. They're going to be doing a storyline about dementia because it's the one thing everybody's talking about at the moment. Uh, and so they're going to try and do it justice, I suppose, which, you know, for people who are with people who are suffering from dementia will be watching very carefully, I should imagine, to try and find out if it actually reflects what they're going through. This, uh, this car stab horror is in the front of The Sun and a lot of the other papers today. It's uh, a mentally ill killer who knifed to death an old-age pensioner. Uh, Matthew Daly was convicted of the manslaughter of Donald Locke, who was 79. He'd stabbed him, I think, something like 30 times. It was just, I mean, you know, 10 deaths are now going to be reviewed. There was an apology from the NHS, but not to the victim's family. To them, nothing. To them, well, kind of wrong place, wrong time. And that's why it's, uh, it's so awful, isn't it, that there are these people out there. We've seen it. There's the hairdresser who's got a history of anger management, but like serious anger management, finally sent her to prison for 12 years. Whether she'll get the, uh, the help she needs for her sickness, I've got no idea. But I don't want her coming out any time soon. The Carry On movie's making a comeback. We'll tell you about those in a moment because it's LBC News time. 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850.
Morning. Uh, Alan says, how come you've got a main socket in your bathroom? Very dangerous. No, no, not in tinnitus. No, it's, uh, it was part of um, uh, a ducting thing which had an expel air fan and that was plugged into a plug unit. So it's in, inset into the, uh, into the wall. So uh, the only thing coming out is the cable for the fan. I must sort that fan out later on. Uh, The Carry On Movies, making a comeback. Uh, Two new films, Carry On Doctors and Carry On Campus, are set for release in 2017. Uh, Barbara and uh, Jim Dale are not going to be appearing in them. Um, I shouldn't imagine they'd want to, actually. It's being written by two people behind two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Um... The flicks are the first in the series since Carry On Col- Columbus in 1992. And you remember what a disaster that turned out to be. The source said shooting is due to start in October with a release penciled in for next year, but it would be a fresh start in terms of the cast, but with the old cheekiness. It just doesn't... You cannot do it. You cannot do it. You will not find anybody who could ever match what Barbara Windsor and Kenneth Williams and Jim Dale and all the other people gave to the shows. You just can't do it. They try- Carry On Columbus was an unmitigated disaster. You can't repeat anything. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Makes it so much easier for everybody, doesn't it? Uh, other stories in the papers. Uh, Ali Ross talking about no ifs or buts. Norton really is the new Wogan. Uh, also, uh, Rylan. Uh, he says, if you're remotely charmed by the idea an eight-year-old Rylan Clark once dreamed of having his own chat show, you clearly haven't watched The Nightmare come true four nights a week on Channel 5. Babe. Up late with Ryland, a series that got off to the worst possible start when Alicia Dixon made the mistake of asking, is there anything this man can't do? Ali says, well, I've compiled 23 pages by the end of the programme. It's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen on the television, proving that this man has no beginning, no end and no middle when it comes to talent. He can't interview, he's neither funny, he's not interesting, he's just got lots of teeth in his mouth and looks like a remake of Dobbin or something like that, or The Lone Ranger's Horse, or even Trigger. Uh, Also, Formula One Bernie's art deal son has flop firm. This is Bernie Eccleston. His son-in-law has seen his business lose about £700,000 in the first year. Art dealer James Stunt married Petra. He runs uh, a business called Stunt Acquisitions, Sounds very exciting, doesn't it, really? Anyway, accounts filed with Companies House for 2015 shows it had £11,000 in the bank and owed £1.2 He's been involved with a string of failed companies and even family sources are mystified where he gets his wealth. The Lamborghini driver has a fleet of Rolls Royces and an army of bodyguards. One said, nobody seems to know where the money comes from and James doesn't say. Yes, it's a bit odd, really, isn't it? I mean, it's slightly odd, but uh, I'm sure he's enjoying doing what he does. I like the idea he's got bodyguards, whereas nobody knows who he is. Seriously, I could show you a picture of him now. It'd be a bit difficult on radio. And you'd be going, who is he? And I'll go, Petra Stunt's husband, and that's it. Not doing very well financially. Uh, other stories in the, uh, in the papers today. They say the unknown hosts on the BBC. I mean, if you can seriously say that Martha Carney is an unknown host, you're living in cloud cuckoo land. The rubbish... These people write and They've got loads of other people listed who earn, you know, mega bucks, they say. But in terms of, of journalism, it's not really mega bucks at all. It's just, it's normal money for the business. And it's been like that over the years. Uh, the businessman who battered two lads with a metal pipe for peeing in his pond, filled with £40,000 of Japanese koi carp, he's been taken to court and he was found guilty. He pleaded guilty to assault. He's got 100 hours community service. 
you know, £40,000 worth of... I mean, the idea that somebody could actually urinate in that is just totally beyond me. Totally beyond me, but that's the kind of... That's the kind of times that we're living in at the moment, isn't it, really? Where sort of people have no regard for other people's property. But uh, he did commit an assault. Uh, Starting today in the mirror, they managed to find two dreary people to actually do the TV page. And frankly, it's not a patch on what Kevin O'Sullivan did. Uh, Cheryl's ex is back on the market, and he just happens to be putting... Oh, I didn't realise that. Oh, Pammy Anderson must stink like an ashtray. She smokes. She's pictured here with a fag in her hand. Cigarette. She's um, smoking, and I'm thinking, oh, dear, honestly. She's fairly ancient now, but she was in a, a VIP room. What he was doing there, I've got no idea. Is he, is he apparently now elevated to a VIP or something? I thought he was just Cheryl's ex-husband, and that was about it. Uh, there is the story about uh, gender-neutral in the paper today, and I couldn't find the other story, I'd lost it, of which is the worst airport uh, for losing your luggage. Because I thought, I think it's Birmingham. I'm pretty certain, top of the list, it's Birmingham for losing your luggage. Although, why you'd have wanted to go to Birmingham, I can't imagine. I think it might have been that. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It might be, uh, might be something else. But, I mean, you know, it is difficult to actually look after everybody's luggage. So when they say they lose it, you think, yeah, but out of how many bags, how many bags would you actually have to uh, sort of pass through before you started losing them? In, the, in one of the papers, they're talking about the uh, Ryanair rip-off. They may be sued for the rip-off administration charges, such as £70 to print a boarding pass. It's obviously, it's amazing, really, isn't it? You do need to check... Michael Green, who's a lawyer, aims to get back unfair fees for check-in and boarding pass names changes in a three-pronged class action. It'll kick off when 75,000 ex-passengers have agreed to take part and apply to all £410 flights Ryanair's made in the last six years and the legal limit for claims. So that'll be interesting, won't it? It's like that man who took his daughter, son, child out of school and uh, and he got his money back. He got his money back because they said no. She had she had actually had good attendance at school, so they they decided that was okay. Uh, Katie Price again taking over, and she's admitted she thought of aborting her disabled son three times. You know, it's different between thinking about it and doing it, and she quite clearly didn't do it. And she says, "I'm just so fertile." And she was speaking on uh, loose women again where she appears to have turned it into her own little mouthpiece. She says, I went three times to abort him. I actually sat there with the, uh, with the cloak on in the clinic. Uh, you're with all the women, and you know, and I thought, no, I can't do it. So three times, three times she went in there. Three times. But as I say, it's uh, the programme you would think was all about her. She doesn't seem to worry about anybody else in the programme at all. Front page of The Express today, Tom Hanks. Idiot diet is to blame for his diabetes. <laughs> the Daily Mail this morning is exposed Cameron EU sham, a leaked letter revealing the Prime Minister hatched an anti-Brexit plot while still telling voters he could campaign to leave, and the blonde and her two married lovers. This was sort of an interesting one, but I'm not really interested in people who have affairs. It's two MPs uh, and a journalist at Westminster. They both had affairs with the same woman. Her name is Serena Cowdy. She had affairs with two SNP MPs. Oh, dear. A bit tacky, isn't it? But I suppose if people want to do that in their private life, that's up to them. I couldn't care less. Women who go to church are less likely to die early. Is that going to encourage you to go to church today? I shouldn't think so. Uh, the sunshine holding up the trains. Giselle Bunchen 
the world's highest paid model, well, she's just sort of one of many, says, I was bullied at 14 as a teenager. I think everybody was bullied. Wasn't everybody bullied at school? Everybody was bullied. At some point in your school career, you were bullied by somebody who was bigger, taller, you know, more aggressive, came from the wrong side of town, all sorts of things. But everybody, to a certain extent, was bullied at school. Whitby. Ever been to Whitby? A wet weekend in Whitby. And uh, for years, goths. They're very odd people, very odd people. I can't quite get my head around goths at all. But they flocked to this cemetery in Whitby, made famous in the novel Dracula, to pose for ghoulish photographs among the headstones. They've got their own music and everything, goths. Really very bizarre. So uh, the antics of the black-clad fans of the 80s rockin' uh, Victorian horror models at St Mary's Church have upset locals. So a mock graveyard could be built. Well, they won't want that. Why would they want a mock graveyard? What sort of like a fake graveyard? Oh no, they won't want that. They want they 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 they, they want the spirits of the dead. They want to go to where it really happened, not not sort of some little Disney esque kind of. Th- oh no, that won't work at all. That would just be ridiculous, honestly. So listen, that's uh, that's just about it for uh, for this morning. Uh, the security boss. My £3 million own goal, this is the security boss called Christopher Reed. his failure, I mean, quite clearly, I mean, if you can't even count to 14, there's no hope, is there, how we ever got to that uh, stage. And the one paper I didn't get this morning, uh, and I've got no idea why I didn't, oh, did I get it? No, I didn't. I managed to get two copies of the Express, but I didn't get a copy of the Daily Star, and I do need my fix of the Daily Star every so often. I'm sure it'll turn up uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, they also had... Um, Nurses on the front of the Times trained to cover junior doctors' jobs. That then makes them doctors, doesn't it, I suppose, as opposed to nurses. Anyway, have a fantastic day. Enjoy the sunshine while it's here because it's going to rain tomorrow morning. I should be up. God knows what, what sort of state I'm going to be in tomorrow morning on the programme, but I'm sure it'll be absolutely fantastic. So uh, I should look forward to your company then. Uh, and it's um, and it kicks off at four o'clock. So you will be here, will you not? You don't want to miss it tomorrow morning. God knows what we'll be coming up with. And you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. You could download that LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. The good and the great tonight will be in one big room, which I'm looking forward to. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But coming up next for you, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen.